You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy Trade's not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's the... And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be traded Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Fish What is up, Fantasyland? We are back in the district, and we are back with a whole crew for the mother of all rookie mock drafts. I mean, Dan, you know, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it big, and we want to bring in the best because we are the GOAT district, right? Yeah. So, you know, we've got it nicely organized on the screen here. (laughs) Very easy to follow. We're going to make this quick because we got a serious mock draft to get through tonight. Obviously, I've got my boy, the overhyped sleeper, right beside me, wearing the prison orange with full flow. <laughs> it's actually red if someone's TV works really well or, or screen, but I see it as orange. Uh, yeah, we got our my, my lighting is too yellow, so it looks orange. <laughs> we'll take it, man. It's I like it. I like the look. Con Air. We got our boy, John McGlynn, 75. Welcome back, brother. You're back. You're, how many weeks in a row, man? You're just, you're just back again. We love having you, man. I'm lucky to be on. Thanks for having me. And then we've got the OG fantasy Theo, the Brock Lesnar of the district. Welcome, brother. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm excited. I said earlier, it feels like Christmas Eve. We've been waiting for this draft for, it seems like, forever. And uh, I'm ready to go. Excited for today. Long time coming. Below me, you've seen him on here often. You see him out there often. He's on SI now. He is, I mean, all three of these guys just... For me, my go-to Devi guys, anything college, these are the guys I'll go check out their timelines and start peeking through their, their goodness. Matt Hicks, welcome back, brother. Appreciate you hanging with us tonight. JD, less than 24 hours from now, I am sure to be tilting on a draft selection. I cannot <laughs> wait. I love it. Yes. I love it. I love it. Andy. Andy Singleton, welcome back, brother. How are you, man? I'm, uh, I'm good. I, I mean, that theme song, that intro is the best in the business. I've said that. It just gets better. And, you know, Dan actually looks like Mike Myers right now. <laughs> so, uh, it's orange to me as well, but I'm digging it. Oh, man. My freaking air horn is not working tonight for some reason, so we're going to have to try something different. And then we've got, uh, you know, we saved the best for last year, Riley Bymaster. One of my favorites over there at DTC. Welcome back, brother. We appreciate you hanging with us tonight. 
What's up, boys? I'm excited. Like Matt said, less than 24 hours from right now, we'll all be questioning why Kyle Pitts is in a 49ers uniform. Oh, <laughs> damn! I love right off the bat. I love it. Chaos. Damn! Chaos. Where's my air horn? Damn it. <laughs> All right, Dan, I'm going to pass this over to you. You've been uh, generous enough to, to, you know, take, take the captain's chair tonight. So I'll, I'll let you uh, take, take the, uh, the flow the rest of the way. All right. Sounds good. So basically what we have is we have a, a two-round rookie mock draft. We're doing Superflex tight end premium. And uh, we've been kind of working on the mock throughout the day. And we're just going to go through and kind of talk about each pick um, as they happen. Um, Riley is first up with the first pick, and then we have Theo with pick two, JD with pick three, uh, Matt with pick four, Andy with five, John with six, and then we just go right through that list again. So uh, everybody will get four picks throughout the draft, and um, we're just going to take a you know a quick minute uh, once the the pick is announced. I'm going to let each of you announce your own pick. Um, and I'll just call on you when it's your turn, and uh, you can give a quick, you know, sixty-second or so commercial. Uh, you know, if and you know if it's somebody that you don't really feel like you need to give that much to, that's fine. I mean, you know, like uh, if we're if we're all uh, agreed that uh, Trevor Lawrence is the greatest, then uh, we don't have to say too much about him. But uh, other picks, I think, as we start getting through it a little bit more, are going to definitely take on a little bit more character. So. Uh, so we'll go through the two rounds, and then uh, we'll we'll kind of talk about what we, we thought was most interesting uh, points of the draft. So with no further ado, we're going to kick this off with uh, Riley with the 101. Yeah, much like the 1985 NBA draft where the Knicks won the lottery, this is also how I ended up in the one spot. Um, Trevor Lawrence is the pick. I don't think there's a lot to talk about unless you get a haul of an offer I actually traded away a 101 in another league with uh, identical settings. I got 102 and 107. Felt that was good enough for me. I'm a Fields believer as well. But here, I mean, I'm I'm not passing on Lawrence uh, unless anybody else has anything to uh, to chime in. I'm excited to see what he does in Jacksonville. Lavisca to the moon. Um, you know, let's go. We're we're all ready to see it. We're all ready for uh for the start of something new here. All right, all right, sounds good. Um. We'll just move right on then, if, uh, unless anybody else has anything, uh, to Theo with the 102. So for me, in Superflex, this is a very easy decision. I went Justin Fields. Um, I think he's going to be a, a dynamic asset for fantasy football teams. He's a 4-4 speed guy. Um, you know, I don't need to tell you guys his accolades, but he had a 41-3 to touchdown to interception ratio in 2019. He's had 19 rushing touchdowns in his career. Um, I'm not sure where he's going to end up tomorrow night, but I don't really care. I think his upside is there, and, and he's a clear clear number two pick for me in this draft. All right. Anyone with any additional thoughts on uh, Fields? Pretty no, standard. Yeah, pretty, yeah, I think, I, you know, right now with the, the landing spot really unknown with Fields, I think it's just a bet on talent, and uh, that's the way you go. All right, J.D., Coming on with the uh, number three. All right. For me, this is kind of the first fork in the road uh, when you're looking at these super flex drafts. I mean, one and two are nice and easy. I was going back and forth. I went with Harris here. Uh, love my running backs, especially I'm drafting in a rookie draft. I want I want a workhorse or a guy that has a you know high ceiling and that kind of ceiling. 
you're hearing Harris to Pittsburgh. To me, that's beautiful. Um, there's a few, you know a couple other spots that that would look nice with Harris. I think anywhere he goes, he, he should be a, a workhorse there. Could have went a different way, but uh, you know the next pick we'll talk about that. So I took the running back that put 20 over 2,600 yards in two seasons um, out there in Alabama. All right, sounds good. And then with the 104, Matt Hicks, you're up. JD, I think I've I think I have over I think I have hyped Najee Harris too much for you because you sniped <laughs> me here on the pick. Uh, you know, I am a big proponent of, of prioritizing the quarterback position in Superflex leagues. However, right now, Najee Harris is third on my board. I, I, even in a Superflex league, I would go Najee Harris there at the 103. So far, the draft has actually gone exactly down my board. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to follow my rankings here. I'm going to take my number four guy, uh, who is Trey Lance. So I think this is the point in the draft where things are going to start opening up a little bit. Uh, you know, JD took a running back here. Maybe you'd be tempted to take uh, Jamar Chase, the wide receiver here. Uh, maybe you'd be tempted to take Kyle Pitts. I wouldn't, but maybe you'd be tempted to take Kyle Pitts here at 104. Uh, but for me, Trey Lance is the quarterback selection, you know, really deciding between Trey Lance and Zach Wilson with this quarterback pick. Uh, and for me, uh, Trey Lance's rushing ability as well as his big arm gives him the fantasy football upside that I'm looking for here. If I'm drafting with that four pick, I'm looking for a big swing here, uh, which does come with a little bit of risk. We most likely will have to be a little bit patient with Trey Lance. You know, time will tell the landing spot, potentially San Francisco, which would be great. Potentially Atlanta, that would almost guarantee a, a redshirt season, which is probably the best thing for Trey Lance. But much like many other young fantasy football quarterbacks, either ones that have taken uh, legitimate redshirt years or kind of gray shirt years, uh, waiting a year for quarterback production at the fantasy football position, especially if they have that dual threat ability, is well worth it. So I am happy to take Trey Lance at 104, even if I am convinced he's going to sit out his entire uh, first season in the NFL. Uh, that would not deter me at all. All right. Sounds good. Anybody else have any ideas on uh, Lance? Any other thoughts? Yeah, I got a bunch, but I'm about to be on the clock, so I'll, I'll let other people <laughs> chime in, and um, I'll, I'll add that before my pick. So if anybody else has Lance, then go for it. I was a little surprised to see Lance at four. Um, that I think he's got the potential to be a top two quarterback from this class four or five years down the road. Hmm. I don't think a lot of people realize that right now, so a little bummed that he went 104, but I mean, good to know that that you know people like Matt realize that. So um, it could be a Josh Allen like ride. You know, it could be a scary first year where it's like, oh, do we have accuracy issues? You know, can he process uh, quickly? Can he get through his progressions? He's got the tools. Um, even if he's like a Ryan Tannehill, or he blooms late, but when it blooms, it blooms, man. So I'm excited. I'm very interested to see you know where he falls in a lot of the real drafts. If not Niners, where do you guys want to see him? Well, I think Atlanta makes a ton of sense for me. Uh, you certainly get the weapons around there. Even if they move on from Julio, you have Calvin Ridley there. And, you know, I, I think Riley brought up a really good point when it comes to the mental side of the game. Uh, kind of an underrated, you know, with Trey Lance is that he is actually one of, if not, you know, considered to be the most mentally ready quarterback in this class. What North Dakota State asked him to do uh, is a lot more than what a lot of college quarterbacks are asked to do right now. And it's no knock on, uh, Mac Jones or, or um, you know, 
even even Trevor Lawrence, you know, these guys aren't asked to necessarily uh, process uh, and make as many decisions on the field. That's just naturally the way the college game is going. But for North Dakota, they require a lot of, of preparation from their quarterbacks, both you know, preparation leading up to the game and also the ability to uh, command the game uh, on the field. And so what Trey Lance was asked to do mentally on that mental side of the game is a lot higher than what a lot of these other guys have been asked to do. So you put him with a coach like Arthur Smith, who we know, um, you know, kind of flourishes in that offense where he can get the most of his quarterbacks. I would personally love Atlanta. Uh, and I'm not I'm not sure he gets he uh, falls any further than four. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance that somebody is going to be um, jumping up to four if Atlanta's not going to take him there because I, th- I think somebody's going to make it, it worth Atlanta's while to uh, to move out of that four spot if they're not going to take Lance themselves. All right, so Andy, let's, uh, let's hear your thoughts on Lance, and you can move right into the 105. Yeah, so Lance is actually my QB2 in this class. Uh, I do think it's a longer-term prospect. Uh, I This is the second time in the last couple of days I've heard – concerns with the accuracy which is not something I had thought up until 48 hours ago and I still don't know where that's coming from uh, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks I've seen uh, even the incompletions or the completion percentage is usually balls that he's throwing uh, where only his guy can catch it which is why the turnovers and interceptions were limited um, you can flip the opposite side of that coin and say Zach Wilson to me is a guy I'd be concerned about accuracy concerns uh, that's a guy who I see who got really lucky and bailed out by some big-bodied, uh, high catch point receivers, as well as some just dropped interceptions that were like right in guys' hands. So uh, I'm a Jet fan. I hate the fact that they're going Wilson at two. Um, you, you know, to me, you're picking Trey Lance as a QB two in this class. The only problem with that is if it does take time to develop and it's one, two, maybe you know, you got to figure it's going to be at least no more than two years, I should say. Maybe at least one, no more than two, but. A year from now, are people going to be as excited for Trey Lance as they are this draft? So is his stock going to be worth as much next year as it is right now in drafts? So that's the one issue I would have with taking him this high. Uh, Being a super flex league, I could easily see Jones and Wilson still on the board, but um, it was just so hard to pass up Kyle Pitts. Uh, I had Lance going four to Atlanta since December. I just recently changed on that. And, you know, the Arthur Smith tight end connection, uh, Pitts replacing potentially Julio, adding to Julio. Um, you know, they've thrived with tight ends in that system, even, you know, bringing in, um, uh, what's his face, uh, this past year uh, from... Hayden uh, Hurst. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, I mean, just the, the thoughts of Kyle Pitts at five, especially in a tight end, tight end premium league, was just too much to pass on. This, this guy is just... I mean, as good as Jamar Chase is, Kyle Pitts might be the best just receiver if he was a wide receiver in this class. So uh, at five, I feel like I, I hit the lottery. Nice. Uh, okay. Uh, other thoughts on Pitts? Anyone? I mean, I'm extremely excited for Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, I know for FFPC, it's going to be very interesting to see where he ends up in our drafts coming up on May 8th. Um, you know, I would love that Atlanta um, landing spot. It sort of seems like Atlanta's uh, kind of passed the candle from, you know, Roddy White to Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and now get another big stud receiver in Kyle Pitts coming in there. Um, you know, it'll be very, it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up, and it'll be interesting to see where he settles in for, um, you know, standard rookie drafts coming up. 
I think he go extremely high in those FFPC drafts. Yeah, my my biggest concern with uh, Pitts is just that, you know, as a as a twenty one year old and you know, really being a, a move tight end, you know, the the history is actually not as great as what we'd like to to think it is with um, you know the the guys who are you know just considered to be super talented, um, like Pitt says, you know, the, the athletic superstars, you know, cause we've had Ebron, we've had Irv Smith. I mean, you know, you can go back, uh, even Evan Ingram, uh, had a pretty good first year, but you know, a lot of these guys have been considered kind of disappointments. Whereas, you know, the, the true stud tight ends have tended to come from, you know, just sort of all over in the draft. Uh, you know, so that would be my one concern with Pitts, but I think the, you know, the one thing that really kind of uh, boys his his uh, stock a little bit is just the fact that uh, everybody is so high on him right now that you know you, you're going to be able to get out of him what you put into him a year from now pretty easily almost no matter what he does on the field. So uh, I, I would normally agree with you, but I think with him you got to throw everything out. Um, this is where the metrics, this is where the pen and paper stats don't line up with the film stats. Uh, he can block. He will be on the field from day one. <laughs> And then what he does as a receiver is just night and day from what these other guys did. Uh, these guys, these other guys were more projections than what they currently are. He already currently is what they've been hoping to be. Uh, just the way he wins, he just dominates games, period. And you saw when he sat out the bowl game how bad Kyle Trask looked. To me, Kyle Trask is still QB 6, maybe 7 if you want to throw Mills in that range. And people will laugh you, uh, you know, out of, out of rooms. Uh, it's, you know, talking about Kyle Trask as a viable NFL quarterback. He, he looked like a CFL, you know, bench warmer in the bowl game just for not having pits in the game. That's how much this guy can affect an offense. So I think when you're looking at the other uh, high draft capital tight ends in, in history and then comparing Kyle Pitts to that, you got to throw that all out the window. We don't know. We've never seen a Kyle Pitts. I'll, I'll just add this. Just, again, just I've, I've got similar um, – you know reservations and to me i w- i might then just take them mm-hmm. let's say you don't really have someone you're loving but the hype is going to build especially if he goes like to atlanta or like a nice spot where hype is going to build somewhere there's a good quarterback like you can probably in the next month to two months get a nice you know return if you do draft them here let the hype keep building and then move them and really set up your team nicely all right, there you go. Yeah, it's it's tough to. Uh, I'm, I'm my picks next, but I, I'm just going to follow up with that. Is this guy is he's he's matchup dependent. He's not matchup dependent. No matter where he lands at, his landing spot does not matter. He's going to be a producer no matter where he goes. He's just that good. He's like Plasco Burris playing tight end. He's it's he's he's amazing. He could do. He can run almost any route. His hands are amazing. This body control for a tight end is crazy. He's the guy is just amazing to watch, and I think that his game is going to just pour into the NFL. When he, I can't, I can't wait to see him and at an NFL field on Sundays. He, I, I just think he's going to have a flawless, a seamless you know, transition, uh, no matter where he goes. It, you know, some guys have some systems. Some guys, you know, they ask you to block. He's not going to be a blocking tight end, and you know, he gets knocked for his blocking sometimes. I don't think he's a very good blocker, but. At the same time, I don't think they're going to have him on first and, you know, or goal line formations and stuff. You know, he's, he's going to be a – you're going to use him like a receiver in a receiving offense. And I wish that he would have 
you know, gone to San Francisco and had all four, you know, the, you know that Ayuk and, and, and Kittle and, you know, that whole system there with four awesome receivers uh, on the field. But um, wherever he goes, he's going to be fine. So Kyle Pitts is a fantastic pick there, Andy. That's, uh, that's great. But I'm, uh, I mentioned San Francisco before. I'm kind of, uh, I just did my intro to my own pick now because I think Mac Jones is going to San Francisco. Um, I think he's a, he's a quarterback three in this class as far as in my mind, and, and uh, he'll have a great chance to be the quarterback two if he lands in San Francisco. Um, for a guy who is by no means a speedster, but he's got Fred Flintstone twinkle toes. You know, he can move around the pocket. He gets, uh, he gets around pretty well. Uh, he, could certainly be, he, he certainly can run a – you know, he could be able to – he could be able to be in the pocket and run that Kyle Shanahan offense very well. Um, this team is littered with talent. Uh, he throws guys open. He knows how to read defenses very well. Um, and um, he can run pretty much on the offense. But San Fran is just a perfect landing spot because you don't need to do too much. Just control the offense. Don't turn the ball over. Let the defense do his job. And um, he's a, I think he'll be a fantasy starting quarterback right from the get-go if he lands in San Fran. As a matter of fact, if he doesn't go to San Fran, if he goes to Denver or somewhere like that, even there, it's a perfect situation because he does not – he throws guys open. He throws guys accurately open. He gets the ball to people, and he knows how to read defenses and make plays, extend plays. So – I'm I'm very excited about this pick, Mac Jones. I think it's a steal at the, you know where I pick at number six right now. But yeah, again, there's a handful of places where he may not be the man. But I, I people aren't going to draft a quarterback in the top five or top. You know, if he lands in the top four of this class, he's going to be starting from day one. So I'm very happy with the Mac Jones pick. Can, everything you just said, like people are afraid to say it. Like that's a trait, that's a skill, and he's elite or very good at that trait and skill. I like what you said, that if he goes to San Fran, he could definitely be the QB2 in this class. That's a ready-made team, and they're looking for somebody that could come in and, and just don't shit the bed. And, you know, a guy like Zach Wilson would be a headache coming to a veteran team that's in win-now mode where Mac Jones just is a seam blend and fit. And, and listen, I think it's overblown, people just mocking mocks that have Mac Jones going to San Fran. I think it's, it's rumored for a reason. Yeah, I, I find it amusing when I see those. I, I, don't get me wrong. I think if you plug Justin Fields in this offense, it would be better than it is right. It would be better than with Mac Jones. I honestly think that this this offense was tailor-made for, you know, for Justin Fields. So I, I don't uh, – uh, Mac Jones is a great kind of consolidation prize, but, I, I you know, the – NFL teams do what NFL teams do, and they pick the who they think the best player is. Uh, I just I, I feel like Mac Jones is going to be their pick, and I think he's going to run this offense perfectly. All right, sounds good. Uh, Riley, you are up with the 107. Who you got for us? And I tell you, up at 107, and it feels great to get two of my top three players on my board. I'll easily take Jamar Chase right here. Landing spot, who cares? I mean, dude's an absolute stud. Um, I mean, comp him to whoever. He's a mix of Dez and A.J. Brown and whoever else you want to throw in there. I mean, it's awesome. He high points. He wins vertically and horizontally, which is awesome. He's got some of the best hands we've seen in the last probably five or six years. Super pumped. If we get him in Cincy, I mean, at that point, we just hope that Joe Burrow has time to get it out. But, I mean, he's got Boyd and Chase and Higgins and um, my boy Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield. Hopefully, fingers crossed, year five. Um Super pumped for Chase. I mean, I think he's going to be a top 10 dynasty receiver in six months. I, I, I think he's going to have a super quick uh, roller coaster ride to the top, and, and boys, I'm ready for it. All right. Sounds good. Anybody I, have any I, uh, 
anything else to add on Chase? I do. I was um, I, I have it in my head that this is a super flex draft, so I kind of had to stick with quarterback first, and I feel like I robbed myself out of a situation uh, of not of not you know picking Jamar Chase in that in that situation. But I do like Mac Jones. This is a super flex draft, uh, and uh, ultimately, right from the get go, I think Mac Jones is going to score more fantasy points and possibly be a you know long term starter. But Jamar Chase was so tempting here. It was really hard to take Mac Jones when Jamar Chase was staring me in the face. So it's a great pick. Uh, you know, I, I thank you. you're welcome that I gave him to you because I. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But, but I think what we're seeing, guys, here is is kind of like you know this is what you want to know going into especially next week is is I mean look this will change a bit right depending on obviously with the landing spots but I'm just saying if you're trying to maneuver these picks or get into certain spots before the draft to get some of these players you can kind of see in superflex like you can get one of these top four you know studs in in the two quarterbacks the running back and the receiver Pitts is there. And then you got like your, you know, we'll see in the next couple of picks some other options. But if you're in the first nine picks in Superflex, like you're sitting pretty good, you know, like you're you're getting some pretty good pieces there. Yeah, but is anybody else, you know, it, you know, just trying to pick up on trends here? Jamar Chase at 107 is feeling a lot like CD Lamb last year. You know, the the positional value helps us justify mm-hmm. pushing them down the board, but. You know, if you find yourself at 107, 108, you know, don't overthink it. You know, where Riley was like, yeah, I got I got my, you know, one of my top three players on the board. And even though he's a wide receiver, you know, Jamar Chase grades close, not quite as high as CeeDee Lamb for me. And I expect he's probably going to get an even higher volume role. Uh, hopefully his quarterback will stay healthy his entire rookie season. And we saw what CeeDee Lamb was able to do, right? So Jamar Chase is probably going to come with higher draft capital, a similar film grade and probably more volume in his first year. So, you know, probably heading into next year, we're looking at a potential, uh, you know, top 12 wide receiver. Uh, Just look at the way Justin Jefferson has ascended in value. I don't think anybody's going to quite do that, but I think it's realistic to think a year from now, you're taking a top 12 wide receiver uh, with the 107 here talking in dynasty formats. So, uh, you know, you could take advantage of the slide on wide receiver that that seems to just happen naturally, which I understand. Superflex, we want quarterbacks. This is tight end premium. It makes sense, but it's a good value point. Yep, definitely. especially if you can afford to, right? Like if you don't necessarily need the quarterback or running back position, these are like luxury picks. Maybe you're one of the top contenders. You want to add depth to that top heavy receiver core. Like this is, you know, it's a nice luxury pick. You're like the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, of your league. <laughs> I call them the JDs of my league. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Back to back, baby. Back to back titles. That's all I got See how I keep getting invites to come back? Yeah. Exactly. And, and he hyped up my pick there at, at uh, 103. See, you guys learn, man, how to get back on the show. It's, Matt's got it down. <laughs> Speaking of people who figured out how to get on the show, um, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Theo, Theo has definitely made himself uh, an, an indispensable goat. And uh, speaking of Theo, he is up at 108. So let's see I what you got it. for us. And, uh, so for, for me right here, this was uh, this was an easy pick. I, I went Travis Etienne. Um, I, I really like his profile. I think that he's a potential home run hitter uh, with receiving ability. A lot of the backs that we've seen with, um, you know, incredible fantasy success have kind of fit his profile. Um, I was happy with what he weighed in at his pro day at 215. Um, you know, he's a 4-4 guy, 
And I like uh, his ability as a receiver. I think that'll that'll translate. He had 48 receptions last season. Um, he had 37 the year before. Um, and this is a guy who had two 1,600-yard rushing uh, seasons in college. So, um, you know, there, there's some people have him ahead of Harris. I have Harris ahead of, ahead of him, um, but he's my clear running back two in, in this class. And this is great value to get him at the 108. There you go. All right. Any other thoughts on uh, Etienne? Yeah, I want to jump in here. Um, so Pittsburgh's rumored for a while to be having a need for a running back uh, and with their first. So there's a lot of directions they can go. Najee Harris just seems to be the perfect fit. And if that's the case, then at 1-3, sure, I like it. It could be Etienne just as easily. I mean, we could look back and Etienne could be – easily the RB1 of this class in hindsight. I mean, he's not too frail at 215. You know, he's got good size. He's, he's just, he's like Trevor Lawrence in the sense that it's just prospect fatigue. We've just known he's so good for so long. We're just kind of, you know, bored with it. Najee kind of trended and rose at the right time. And, um, you know, that could look a lot different. Now, Buffalo's also rumored in the mix now. If he winds up in Buffalo, I love that spot again because Buffalo, to me, needs a receiving back where Somebody like Kenny Gainwell would be perfect. And ETN can fit that role. And now you got another nice landing spot for him. If he winds up with Jacksonville, I'm not loving this pick nearly as much. So uh, it, to me, he's a little bit more landing spot dependent, uh, at least out of the gate. But where you're getting him at 1 8, phenomenal value. Yeah. All right. So we have the. Uh... The 109, JD. We yeah, I, I'm going to follow the same path. I mean, those are those are my top two. And then closely, tucked in really closely is Javante Williams. Um, at, at Rotoviz has comps with like Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders. Uh, again, I'm just – I'm looking for running backs that, that are going to come in and, and be pillars uh, on my roster at the running back position. That's where I load up that position is is in my rookie drafts. And, and this, this – this draft is really nice, especially in Superflex. I mean, like I said, we're at one one nine, and you're you're getting the third best running back. So I've seen I've seen Williams as the RB one in this class in a few mocks, a few drafts. Um, so again, I, I think you can kind of pick your poison here with these top three running backs, uh, and then I think the tier drops after that a bit. All right. Then we have Javante Williams at number nine. Anybody else? Anything on Javante? I'll throw something in real quick. Um, I'll play the uh, the other side of that. I am one of those who think that Javante is closer to Najee than Etn is closer to Najee. I have I have Williams as my running back two because I don't I don't like one A one B, but it's two is very damn close. And he's uh, a one. one. Harris. Huh? Nice. Yeah. So. Um, huge Williams fan. I mean, if, if you can get him in the mid to late first, I mean, you're, it's gold. It's he, he's the best pass protector in the class, hands down. He's going to be on the field. There's not a way he doesn't win, and it's awesome. So you see him with quickness, with power. Um, it's super fun to see Williams. Excited to see where he lands. That's mm-hmm. uh, that could be either a a huge get for a lot of people if he falls a little bit, or if, obviously if he lands in. Atlanta or you know somebody that needs that guy to fill in then his value is going to take off um, but if he lands in a, in a somewhat you know contested backfield 
I'm buying it in the early second all day. Yeah, he's he's my RB1. He's my Vonta Mac. Javante over everything. Um, nice. Here's a, here's a funny thing. His balance is off the charts insane. And it's just he's he's fun to watch. But the other nice thing that you think about anymore, we used to hear third-year wide receiver breakout. You never hear that anymore. You used to hear fresh legs. Like, I don't want a, a, running, a college running back who's had too many carries. Well, Jonathan Taylor just blew that to shreds. You know, Derrick Henry, the same kind of thing. So if you want to go back and resurface that old mantra, Javante's got fresh legs from sharing the load with Michael Carter. So <laughs> There we go. All right, so we've got a couple more contestants, J.D., for uh, people who are angling for a show invites here. Uh, Riley, and, uh, <laughs> Riley and Andy are love it. They're, they're greasing the skids here. Smart, um, smart guys. <laughs> right? Okay. And uh, so we're, we're back around to Matt um, with the 110. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give a quick um, – just to give the other side of the Javante Williams argument, which, by the way, nope, like I am the only one on this, so I, I will – you know, I – I find myself on an island here, so the Javante Williams hype train is probably the accurate, you know, rail to be on. But uh, I do seem to have more questions with Javante Williams than a lot of folks. Uh, you know, my film eval heavily weights vision as part of the equation, and Javante Williams to me does not consistently display great vision. I think the UNC offensive line is really underrated. Uh, as you can see by Michael Carter's running stats as well, Michael Carter actually outrushed Javante Williams, although they both put up great numbers at UNC last year. And I think his speed is limited. So for, for me, although I have Javante Williams as a late uh, first round, early second round pick, getting that you know positional bump here, uh, 109 is a little bit uh, high for me, although I think it's spot on with where he'll probably go in drafts. I just don't expect to have any Javante Williams because of the limited speed and the question marks I have around his vision. It, it's pretty inconsistent for me uh, after I watched Devontae Williams over time. Um, but this is a really weird spot I find myself in because I feel like in all the every time I get asked about quarterbacks this draft season, I'm usually the one throwing the wet blanket on Zach Wilson. But here at 110, I have no choice but to draft Zach Wilson out of BYU. Uh, for me, you know, he's very clearly quarterback four. Uh, he falls uh, well below Lance in my rating system, but definitely higher than Mac Jones. So, uh, you know, relative to the way the draft has fallen out in a super flex league, I suppose I've gotten some good value here. Uh, Zach Wilson is fun. I love watching him sling the pill. Uh, he, he's a fun college quarterback. And I do think, uh, well, let me phrase it this way. I, I, I don't think that he is going to be operating um, as off script at the next level as necessarily he did in college. I think that he will be best if he gets refined into a system a little bit. I think his rushing ability is overrated from a fantasy football perspective. I think an NFL team is going to rein that in, ask him to pretty much stay in the pocket there. Um, and so the, the fantasy football comparison that I've made for Zach Wilson consistently is Baker Mayfield, uh, because I just think that he's going to be best when he's not asked to do a ton, right? Baker Mayfield, solid rookie season. We got excited. Uh, Cleveland tried to open it up for him. It was just too much. Uh, bad sophomore year. Uh, they limited what they asked him to do again, and, and it worked out well. And now we're kind of sitting with Baker Mayfield of this guy who's going to be, you know, probably living as a as a low QB one, high QB two in dynasty leagues. And that's kind of where I find myself with Zach Wilson, a, a guy who can be solid. 
um, but hopefully not asked to do you know too much too early on uh, in the NFL, or else I don't know if he'll be as successful. You know, you look at his statistical jump from uh, 2019 to 2020, and it is uh, shockingly. Uh, uh, you know, you, you like to see that type of improvement, but then you look at the other factors, the easy schedule, the fact that his best, uh, his toughest game was Coastal Carolina and he struggled. Uh, yellow flags consistently pop up for me. Uh, you look at his ability to throw the ball in the deep third. I know it's fun sometimes, but he also throws into triple coverage a lot. And his stats don't show him getting away uh, with the uh, Mountain West defenders dropping a ball despite, you know, throwing into triple coverage and beating the wide receiver. So, uh, with all that being said, I think Zach Wilson will be a fine NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to be as exciting as maybe we think he will be. But at 110 in a super flex league here to get the last viable quarterback on the board, uh, it's worth the 110 here, despite the fact that I'm usually the one, uh, you know, kind of hyping Zach Wilson down. But I'm going to have to be the one to take him here at 110. Catching that falling knife. That's something Mike Myers would say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Any other thoughts on Wilson? Yeah, I I have to be wrong on him. I mean, I'm a Jet fan. I have to be wrong on him. (laughs) I don't really care for him too much at all. I think Baker, uh, if you want to make the Baker Mayfield comp, which a lot of people have been drawing comparisons to, Baker I thought was just a way more polished prospect coming out at the same time phase so you know if that's his ceiling and we're going to wait three years to get to that uh it's going to be a long ride i'll speak to the baker uh point just real quick before we move on but um as someone who also compared him to baker it came from one main aspect and that was when you watch him when thing when the play breaks down they're better when you have a clean pocket and you, you know you're looking at just one side of the field. It's almost as if it's harder for them. And the same way with Baker as a rookie, and and I saw a lot of the same things with Zach Wilson. Where if it was easier, it almost like he overthought it. His feet got a little antsy, and it almost just as he would he was more comfortable rolling out with a DN behind his back, and then you know flipping a 15 yard just yeah. pinpoint bullet to the sideline. It, it's weird, and that's where I, I comped him to Baker. So, I mean, I, you're going to get the wow throws, but you also get the dude. Like, it's it's right there. I can appreciate that and, and, and understand that and respect that he's better off script. However, I, I love the arm angles. I love how he's willing to do different things and it just, you know, be out of character. But at the same time, that really – looks like it can hurt him there's a lot of just like these shovel tosses he you know he just tries to get too creative and too fancy and he's too much of a gambler for me uh you know can he tone it down of course he can but based on everything you know about his personal makeup it just seems like he just he's more of the josh rosen like no i i'm the smarter guy in the room i'm gonna don't worry about me i'm gonna get this done and you know that's kind of where it's like all right this this like i said this this could fail more than it can succeed from from my vantage point and i yeah. again, I, I hope i'm wrong I, I think for me where he where where i draw the specific comparisons and i try to think you know very very much in a fantasy football vacuum i think why i bring up baker mayfield with zach wilson is one I think people expect him to be a better rusher than he will be at the next level, which has a huge impact on fantasy football, right? I think we had this idea that because Baker Mayfield was able to scoot around the field in the wide open Big 12 kind of, you know, quasi air raid system, 
that he was going to be able to translate that to the next level. And, you know, he can, if, if a pocket's broken down, he can operate, he can be creative. He can maybe, you know, get an eight yard rush for the first down, but he's, he's not a rushing quarterback. He's not going to give us that fantasy football upside. And then the gunslinger mentality. And, you know, Andy, to kind of your point, that's going to go one way or the other, right? When you get a gunslinger, you're either going to love it or it's going to be, you know, a huge headache, right? So, uh, is, is that the dice you want to roll with the top five pick like I'm seeing a lot? Probably not at 110. You might want to roll the dice. Uh, if it's your NFL team, I understand why why you're nervous for sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you see the, the difference between the real world and fantasy world where the real world number two off the board quarterback is going five in this draft. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, Andy, you got the 111. Who you got? Yeah, I'll make this quick. I mean, this just speaks kind of to the love of Superflex and tight end premium leagues and just how they can push players back. Uh, I mean, he's still the number two wide receiver off the board, but Devonta Smith to fall here. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's still significant draft capital to think that at 111 you're taking the wide receiver too. So it is somewhat of a premium, but to take Devonta Smith – knowing it's 11th overall it just feels like so much more acceptable uh, that if he is the skinny frail you know can't ever get to see a seven on the scale in his future then you know oh well it was back into the first round but if he is this outlier that is the next marvin harrison and the heisman trophy winner and the all-time leading leading receiver in wide receiver U history, then, yeah, this is – I mean, how can you not take him at this spot? So I'm happy here, and I'll shut up. All right. Anybody else on uh, Devonta? I'm up next, so I'm going to kind of, you know, fall off that. Devonta Smith is, you know, he's an all-around great player. There's no there's no doubt about it. He's uh, – it's amazing watching the guy play, but uh, you know who I have at the next pick is Jalen Waddle, and I think he's just someone who I'm not going to say landing spot dependent, but he's a, he's an all-around great player. He's great on special teams. He might be the best all-around weapon in this whole class, I think, as far as doing anything. He can run inside routes. He can run outside routes. He's a kick returner, punt returner. He does everything. He's like a better version of Henry Ruggs, you know, as far as that goes. Um, I, I think he's he. I mean, he really to me. And they're right. If he goes to Miami or you know a team that can really use him with his with a deep threat and his under under the under uh, his under routes, uh, you know I think he could possibly be the best player in his class. And that's I mean it's saying a lot for for someone. Uh, the guy doesn't he doesn't mess around. He gets up and gets the ball. Uh, he's got a smell of Tyreek Hill about him. I mean it, it, everything about this guy just he he just makes me want him on my team. I don't know how you guys feel about Jalen Waddle, but the, 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 I think he's just everybody. That's all I've been hearing is a flash of the top couple of receivers. But Jalen Waddle is is someone I'm definitely targeting in all my rookie drafts this year. Yeah, he's yeah. he's growing on. He's been climbing up. I, I feel like he's he's got like that DJ Moore. I don't know if you guys remember DJ Moore was kind of like slowly as the offseason was going, like slowly climbing up those rookie ranks. And I feel like there's a similar vibe with Waddle where. He's like slowly been creeping into the back of the first, and you know now he's like a top three receiver. Do you guys, where, where do you guys feel Waddle belongs? Is, is he is he fitting here behind Smith as a third running back or receiver off the board? Yeah, absolutely. I I actually think he's been up there the whole time. I, I don't. I, I've seen people as 
having him as the number two wide receiver in this class, all the way down to five or six. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm somewhere on the fence with him. Uh, I, you know, it depends on what time of day it is, uh, where I either really like him or <laughs> I'm a little skeptical. Uh, somewhere between Tyler Lockett and Tyreek Hill is, you know, the 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 hope, um, mm-hmm. the, the hopeful outcome. Um, I, I think more towards Lockett than Tyreek Hill, but uh, yeah, he's he's dynamic and he's explosive, but. I think a lot of the stuff he was able to do at Alabama was more not to take away his 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 athleticism because he's got game-changing speed, but I also do think it was a little bit of a product of the system. I mean, yeah, I was just looking at a play last night against Georgia. Georgia literally had seven defenders in the secondary to stop three receivers, and he beat them for 95 yards on this plate so on a second and ten so I, I mean it just shows you how ridiculous the Alabama offense was that three guys are beating seven defenders probably four of which are going to be drafted within the first three rounds uh th- this year um it, it's just it, it was it was unfair what Alabama was doing so I, I don't know that he can meet that same success and if you're banking on just the home run hitting speed then you're looking at Andy Isabella oh don't even say that name, man. That hurts. Yeah. At least it'll be Isabella with some draft capital. Hey, Isabella was a second-round pick, man. Get off my guy. It, well, yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second. But still. Um, I, I, yeah, I think, I think uh, for me, a lot of it is going to kind of come down to, you know, how does – how does his NFL team perceive him? You know, are we talking about, you know, what kind of a system is he going to, but also where does he get drafted? You know, if he's a, if he's a top half of the first round uh, wide receiver, then I think, you know, that makes him a little bit more intriguing. If um, he's one of those guys who kind of slips throughout the draft a little bit, then maybe a little bit less intriguing for me. What if he goes to Philadelphia and kind of uh, fits in that offense? Andy, what do you think about that? I I've seen that. I personally can't see Philly going back-to-back first-round wide receivers, especially somebody that could be somewhat on the undersized, uh, undersized part of the scale. Um, you know, Rieger was that. Rieger was kind of, you know, maybe a little bit more of a stockier version than Waddle, but kind of that, you know, smaller speed gadgety kind of guy that you could do a bunch of things with. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just can't see them going that direction two years in a row, even though they do have a need. I feel like they have a lot of needs. So if he winds up in – if he winds up there, yeah, I don't know because I'm not the biggest Hurts believer either. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sold that I like it. I get it. I don't think Rager really got a fair shake his first year, you know, with his hand and, you know, a couple other issues he had. But I, uh, if they can add another receiver and, and somehow make that offense work, I, I, I have a lot of faith in uh, if that's a good. I mean, I think it's a good landing spot just because of the fact that it'll be there'll be a lot of weapons on that team now. And um, it, it's really going to be hard to just cover. It won't be a wide receiver one to cover. Be, instead, of, instead there will be the Miles Sanders out of the backfield. There will be, you know, the, the tight end. I'm not sure. They're going to probably get rid of Zach Ertz, but. You know who knows Goddard will step up if they sign somebody else. There's a lot of there's a lot of weapons on that team, and I, I think if, if everybody's healthy and it can distribute the ball, that, that could be a great offense with a lot of fantasy numbers on it. All right, so that brings us to the end of the first round. And uh, JD, what do you what do you got for us from uh, Viridian? 
Yeah, let, I'll do a, a real quick, 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 quick uh, review of the first round. I took it off the screen here, but before we go to our friends of Viridian, just just for the listeners, you know, that couldn't tune in, make sure you tune in and check it out. But just in case you couldn't, Trevor Lawrence at the 1-1, Justin Fields, Najee Harris, Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts, Mac Jones at the 1-6, Jamar Chase, Travis Sitien, Javante Williams, Zach Wilson, Devante Smith and Jalen Waddle in the 112. And that's our first round. And shout out to our friends over at Viridian Global. If you're looking for goat gear, we appreciate any support. Uh, you know, whether it's the GOAT district, Dynasty War Zone, uh, the True North fantasy football, whether you want to check out some gear for your favorite fantasy player that, you know, maybe helped you win a league. If you won a league, check out the GOAT champ shirt, the 101, the 112. Uh yeah, man, just go to viridianglobal.com forward slash collections forward slash goat district. You see it on the screen. We got toques, hats, all kinds of stuff. Um, and they got all kinds of really cool stuff, man. They got really cool fantasy football t-shirts. So go check it out. There's there's guaranteed something uh, you'll find there. You see some of it on the screen with the goat gear. There, there's the, uh, the champ shirt. Dan, anything to add before uh, we start this second round? No, other than just the tie quality stuff, uh, you know, mine is super comfortable and, you know, you're, you're going to love wearing it. It, 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 uh, it wears as good as it looks. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. The reason we teamed up with these guys and the reason you're seeing all the Fantasyland team up with them is this stuff is definitely quality. Like I wear, you know, I'm wearing it right here. True North. Bam. T-shirt. The hats are nice. All of it. Quality. All right, guys, let's get back to the second round. Uh, first round was good. Any surprises? Anyone uh, surprised by anything in that first round? No, just more so the fact of where guys actually landed. But when you factor in, it's a super flex tight end premium. Um, you know, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I'm surprised Mac Jones fell out of me. I'm a fantastic drafter. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, man, dude, I'm, like my air horn would have been so good today, and I don't know it, what the hell. Yeah, the, the air horn is out of air. All right, well, let's let's move into that second round and uh, get Riley on the clock at uh, the 201. Back on the clock at 201, and the board fell perfectly because this is the last guy in, in my tier that I want. The rest of the draft, I'm just kind of out on because this is such a top-heavy class. Uh, in my opinion, but I'll take Rashad Bateman here at the 201. Love the dude to death. I mean, he's a possession guy, but worst case, he's going to be a Tyler Boyd type fantasy asset. Um, you know, he's super shifty, great route runner, really good hands, no issues creating separation, like clean feet off the line. Um, love Bateman as a player. My biggest fear is that Chicago just decides to draft him at 20 um, and pairs him with Andy Dalton. I mean, you know, that's probably worst case for us. But I love Bateman here. He may dip after year one if he lands in a spot like that. But I'll just take that opportunity to, to buy more. Um, you know, it, my only concern is he has a little bit of struggles with uh, fighting through some handsy coverage at the line. Uh, if you're going to get somebody like, you know, uh, an Aqib Tlaib, you know, that type handsy physical corner, he's going to have some trouble fighting through vertically. But, again, that's not where he wins. He, he's going to win in the short to mid areas of the field. Um which is going to be awesome for fantasy because he is going to rack up the catches. Absolutely love Bateman at 201. I probably would take him above Jalen Waddle just because I think 
I think Waddle's going to need a creative offensive coordinator to get him to maximize his potential. So I'll take Bateman at 201. If anybody argues, like you're wrong. So we just scoot on to 202. Also, go Canada, go Canada if we're, uh, you know, scooting for spots on the upcoming shows. Yes. <laughs> I, I got Bateman at 206 in the same draft. I don't know what. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a steal. <laughs> where where okay. would you like to see him, Riley? Bateman. Anywhere with a uh, even a relatively average quarterback. I think Tennessee is a super cool spot for him. Don't really think that happens. I think Tennessee has more pressing needs than a wide receiver, too. Um, I don't know. Like I said, anywhere else other than Chicago, because that's where receivers go to die, apparently. I, I bought a lot of Anthony Miller a few years ago. Big fanboy of Anthony's, and that didn't work out. So really, anywhere other than Chicago, and we're golden. Okay. I don't think you compared it to because Anthony Miller was just – as time went on, you just kind of realized that he was not. His lack of work ethic was his biggest. Uh, it's it's the mental spot. side with with Darnell, yeah. Darnell, Mo- Darnell Mooney's not dying in Chicago. Not yet. No. Neither is A Rob. Oh. <laughs> or Tariq Cohn. He probably wishes. Well, and with That's with Dalton story. there, you know, you know that he's going to have eyes for Komet too. And Damian Williams there now to share the backfield. It's a loaded offense, man. It is, man. <laughs> Chicago is going to crush Dallas when it comes to offensive firepower. Ginger Slinger. Yep. There you go. All right. Uh, let's move on to Theo with the 202. So here I went with Terrace Marshall. Um, I'm, I have him. This is probably about where I would have him in a, uh, in a standard draft right behind Bateman, right behind Waddle. Uh, he's very appealing to me. He's 20 years old, 4'4 guy, 6'3", 205. Um, shout out to Matt Hicks, who's been a big uh, Terrace Marshall guy for a long time. Um, and uh, I think there's a really a lot to like. He was a top recruit at high school, and he certainly produced next to some fantastic players. I mean, he was next to Jar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson. 2019, he had 13, 13 touchdowns. Um, and last year, I believe he had 10 touchdowns in seven games before he opted out. So uh, I think Terrace Marshall kind of separates himself in this class with his size and his youth. And I think, that, um, you know, he's if, if you're going to give players the benefit of the doubt for having excellent teammates, um, Terrace Marshall certainly uh, fits there. And I think that he's going to be uh, a good value pick for in standard uh, rookie drafts at the end of the first round. I, I think when he goes to Baltimore, it's going to be exactly what Jamar uh, – what – I don't know why I can't – Lamar Jackson needs to make that offense run. This is exactly what needs to be plugged in the Ravens offense. Yeah, listen, all I'm hearing is Matt and I have a lot of the same takes, which is why I wonder why he unfollowed me in the first place. But uh, Terrace Marshall, (laughs) I've been tweeting out so much stuff about Terrace Marshall for months that his dad and I started talking, and he was thanking me for uh, shining so much light on his son. So shout out to you, senior. we actually happen to be, we figured out roughly the same age. So uh, we both have kids, uh, you know, 20, 21. So uh, I love Terrace Marshall, the size, the speed. Um, he was just the consistent touchdown target in, you know, in the number three role behind Jefferson and Chase. So I think a lot of people were sleeping on Marshall, and there's a lot of upside there. I think people are going to be surprised with Marshall the way people were surprised with DJ Shark out of the same program. On the flip side, sorry, boys. Um, 
not a not a Marshall guy. If if Mr. Terrace Marshall is listening, probably hop off for a few minutes, uh, come back, because I'm not a huge believer. I don't really think he can beat press. I don't think he's shifty enough. Good deep threat. He's going to have a role, but he'll be in a limited number of packages. I mean, I'm really afraid this is the J.J. Sega white side, the, the, you know, just that kind of asset in the top of the top to mid-second where I don't I don't see it. I, I don't think he's got 4-4 speed. I've been wrong before. Um, he just he gets off the line with a high pad level, easy to uh, easy to jam him, um, you know, for, for handsy physical corners. But I'll pass. Like I said, I've got like a nice top 12 or 13, and then at this point it's just – a, a really big hodgepodge of man. Here's the big difference, though. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside was like the Brandon Whedon of wide receivers. Uh, hey, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. Terrace Marshall is uh, still 20 years old and uh, the second or third youngest wide receiver in this class. So he's got plenty of time to refine his craft. I hope so. I just, I, uh, man, I one, I don't think he can run block very well if you if you turn on the tape. His defender always makes the tackle, which is concerning. Sometimes it can be that simple. Um, I'm just I, – I don't see it. You know I mean? I, this is where I'm willing to be wrong here. Also, it's a second-round pick, so it's not a huge deal. But um, for me, like if I have any seconds, I'm shopping them to see if I can get, you know, proven production. But at this point, I'm probably out of Marshall. Just wanted to give a nice devil's advocate to, to, to the selection. I'll love, though. The only thing I had about him, the, the concentration drops, he had a couple of those where, you know, you know, almost like a Nelson Aguilar thing where he was wide open and a couple of balls hit him in the hands and he dropped them. But I, and it's something that guys can overcome. And I, and I, I know he's already on the road of, of fixing that problem. So I hope that's, uh, you know, taken care of with NFL coaching and NFL, uh, you know, caliber uh, players to kind of help him out too. But other than that, I, I think this guy's all around very well suited player for the NFL. All right, so we have uh, definitely a wide range of uh, uh, opinions on Terrace Marshall. Uh, JD, let's see if you can uh, unify the group and with your pick and uh, come up with somebody that everybody either likes or hates. Well, before I do that, Dan, just <laughs> want to remind our friends: if you're watching, first of all, if you're not watching, go to YouTube, subscribe to Goat District. It's a no-brainer. Look at the goodness we're bringing over here. You can watch the board on the screen. You can check out Dan's flow. You can check out Brock Lesnar, like, you know, Matt Hicks, hard at work. Like, you can see these guys behind the scenes, Andy Singleton eating peanuts. Like, come on, man. Check that shit out, son. YouTube it. Come on. Subscribe, smash it, like it, all that goodness. You guys know how I roll, man. Running backs till I die in the rookie drafts. Maybe sprinkle in some quarterbacks in the SF, but right now we're going back to the well. This guy was behind uh, some of these next running backs, but I've moved them back up. Last I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, you collegiate studs, but you look everywhere, you see 191, this kid, but I believe he weighed in over 200 pounds, Kenneth Gainwell. To me, that's a big deal. Gives him more of that workhorse uh, possibility ceiling especially a guy who picked up 51 receptions in college with that receiving, uh, you know, magic. And what is it? Um, PFF points out the last running back to have a collegiate season with at least 1,200 yards rushing and 600 receiving yards. Monsieur Saquon Barkley. Look, I'm not saying this kid is Barkley, 
but it gives him the possibility of having a role, especially if he lands in a good spot. So for me, this kid's moved up. Again, correct me if I'm wrong with the weight, but I like him here early in the second round. 201, he just made your threshold. Beautiful. There, there it is. I, I mentioned him earlier. I, th- I think he's a perfect fit for Buffalo. This guy's uh, – the, the problem with Buffalo and their running backs for me is their line is not built to sustain a ground game. They are much more suited for a passing attack, and they have two ground type of primary running backs. Uh, so they need a better receiving threat, and Gainwell could do the early down work and also be a much more dynamic receiving back out of the backfield. Um, he, I'll just put it to you like this. He pushed Antonio Gibson. Ah, that's what I missed. Yes. And um, um, whoever else was there before. Uh, I, I would touch them. 229 Patrick to 33. Daryl uh, Henderson. Darrell Henderson. Darrell, am I getting names confused now? No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, he pushed them to the, to, you know, the bench. Or to different spots, I should say. So he outgained Gibson two twenty nine to thirty three. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, out carried him. Yes, out carried him. Yeah, and plus, I mean, you know, when you when you really want to get deep into the analytics, can you come up with a better name for a running back than Gainwell? Really? <laughs> I don't think so. That's good. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on Gainwell? Uh, Tony Power was the other guy that he outproduced here. So that's what I meant. Oh, there it is. I, I didn't mean uh, Anderson. I meant, no, that's uh, right. He's uh, uh, John's just not here for his good looks, man. He's he's bringing <laughs> bringing the goodness. I need it. I need it. Yeah, he was like, you know he's a quarterback in high school. He's uh you know he's got like a Justice Hill comp from guys like Matt Kelly, and uh, you know I think he's all around great player. I it's this is a great pick. I. I don't mean to compliment everybody's pick and just sit here and be like, oh, nice pick, nice pick. But, I mean, we're still in the second round of the draft. But this is – you guys are doing fantastic. And Kenneth Greenwell's a great pick in this spot. Yeah, this is, by and large, where the running backs end. Yeah. All right. Not, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Well, John, I mean, John and, may have something to say about that in I mean, a couple and picks. And picking mm-hmm. I might end where expectations should end. There we go. All right, Matt, you got the 204. Who you got for us? All right, interesting spot in the draft here. I have two players left on my board who I consider to have weekly starter potential. So I'm going to play the ADP game a little bit here, Uh, just kind of what I've seen in recent trends. So I'm going to take one of them, see if I can get the next one back to me here, uh, back end of the second round. So I'm going to go with Elijah Moore uh, out of Ole Miss. He's somebody who has been rapidly rising up the boards a really well-rounded wide receiver. Now, he's a little undersized. I think he came in about 5'8", 184, but super nice hands, really consistent hands. I think he's going to be uh, probably limited to the slot role in the NFL, but I think he could really excel in it. Um, nice catch frame uh, or catch radius, I should say. Uh, comfortable with the ball in his hands after the catch. He cuts a really nice slant routes. I love when my wide receivers are able to win on a slant route. If you can be quick and win in the slot, on a slant route in the NFL, that's going to get you pretty far in today's NFL, and it's going to get you uh, some pretty quick production. I do expect him to go day one in the NFL, which, of course, is going to push up his draft stock as well. And he's kind of sitting in that sweet spot because he'll probably go late day one. 
which means he could very well end up in an offense uh, that has nice passing attack and some good volume to distribute. Uh, Tennessee was thrown around earlier. I think that's a potential landing spot for Elijah Moore. Uh, New Orleans could be a potential landing spot. If he's there for Green Bay, uh, they will ignore him uh, and probably take Kyle Trask, but that would be a good landing spot as well. So uh, he's not actually the highest ranked wide receiver on my board right now. There's one guy that I have ranked above him, but I'm going to play the game a little bit uh, and, and try to play with ADP, see if it works out for me. Love it, love it. Yeah, especially oh. the Green Bay comment. That yeah, Wheel, uh, Wheeler is killer. Yeah, this he does not drop passes. This guy's uh, he's got hands of gold. You know, and he's a this guy's gonna be a slot receiver nightmare for a lot of teams in it when he makes when he's established in the NFL. And an absolute legend. If you do not know, you have to go to YouTube and look up the 2019 Egg Bowl and Elijah Moore, and just make sure that you understand. <laughs> what Elijah Moore did in that game. I'm not even going to, if you don't know, just go to YouTube and, and look it up. Uh, it, it was an absolute legend move, which may or may not have cost this team the game. Dan, I got a quick shout out to J Mike and Kevin Wheeler out there in the chat. A little sprinkle of taco core. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Got some, uh, got some good guys out there. Um, and I love the, uh, I love the Wheeler uh, <laughs> avatar too. <laughs> That is a one of a kind. Well, actually two of a kind. Tunsil had one too. Um, all right. Any other thoughts on uh, on Elijah Moore? Rapid riser in this whole draft. He's, you know, he went from an average receiver to you know someone who's. I think a lot of people overlooked, and I, I don't know how you overlooked him. He was just fantastic. But he, yes, for, for fantasy reasons, everybody just kind of the more and more they look into him, the more and more they move him up their draft board. So. He's uh, he's gained a lot of steam in the off season. I, this this is who actually I, <laughs> I meant to say earlier who has like the DJ Moore type of uh, a feel for him because if you look at the next guy that's coming up in this pick, am I not mistaken that Elijah was like behind him in most uh, mocks or in most rankings? You know, if you go back a, a couple weeks. Well. I don't. I don't know where we're going here. I was going to say on Elijah Moore. Uh, you know, I've I've come around on him considerably. Uh, I was looking at the huge lane Kiffin bump that he had. Uh, I mean, his production increased thirty four percent in four less games uh, with Lane Kiffin. Um, you know, his stats are ridiculous this past year. Prior to that, they were kind of mundane. Uh, he's a little bit undersized, but he's insanely quick, twitchy speed. Uh, but, I mean, things like his catch rate went from 58% to 87% with Lane Kiffin. So th- th- this is what I mean by the bump. But you can also look back and say Ole Miss just has no clue how to handle wide receivers prior to Lane Kiffin's arrival. And, you know, maybe he just unlocked his capabilities. Because if you go back and look at, you know, some of his high school footage and just how insanely blindingly quick he is off the line, uh, I was curious. I was more cautious about him being able to get off uh, of jams and press coverage but I mean he's 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 really risen for me just based on his just pure athleticism and you mentioned his heads before uh, with this next pick I was going with the more regardless if it was either going to be Elijah or Rondell and um, you know similar to Elijah Rondell Moore has was you know number one wide receiver since his high school days and had uh, just a, 
a freshman season for the ages that everybody seems to forget because he played limited games the last two years. Um, initially opted out of COVID, came back, uh, played well, uh, didn't miss anything. One of the things I did this this year to try to be a little different was to compare just this class positionally against itself uh, from an athletics standpoint and from a, a statistical production standpoint. And Rondell Moore was at the top of the charts in both athleticism in comparison to this class as well as production. So in this model alone, he was the number one wide receiver just as you know, Jamar Chase. Uh, so that's how good his testing is, matched with his production, you know, just his usage in the offense. So, I mean, I think he's a first-round pick in, in the real world to get him here at one, two, three, four, five, six, wide receiver seven just seems ridiculous. That, that was my point, Andy. I was just saying that Rondell seems to be sliding down, whereas Elijah keeps, he yeah. seems to be moving up. That was my, that was what oh, I was yeah. trying to say, but my French was just kind of, you know. No, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, the main thing is with, with Rondell, every, everybody, you know, it's the same thing as Devonta in a way it's, it's, it's the size issue. And there's a lot of people who just can't get their heads around it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And no, uh, by the way, they were peanuts because I usually come from the peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bumped. Uh, I need the air horn. Uh, this yes. is killing me. There's some, yeah, there's some shows where we don't even have any air horn opportunities, and I'm just sitting here. And tonight is. <laughs> and of course, yep, the air horn is down in the shop for maintenance. All right. Uh, Anyone else on more? Any anybody got the downside? No, I love more. I think the apprehension is that he's by seven, um, but he's an elite athlete. He's fantastic with the ball in his hands. And we talk about breakout age. I mean, he was so dominant. Um, it was the 2018 season. Um, he was just unbelievable. So you know, he, he checks off a lot of boxes. He's just short. Um, and I think if they, if he lands in the right situation where he's going to get the, the ball in his hands and um, you know, get great opportunities. I think he's in a pretty good time. So I'm, I'm, I'm big fan of Rondo more, and I love, I love that value right there. This yeah, is the exact value that I have him at, and and so I, I think you just have to keep it in context, right? He's going to have to live in the slot in the NFL, and that has fantasy football limitations, which is why you don't take him in the first round of a fantasy football draft. But here with the 17th overall pick, it's worth taking the upside on the fact that. You know, he could potentially, you know, if you look at his route running ability, he only ran really the bottom third of the tree, but he ran it really freaking well. I mean, you know, his his ability to run an out route, it's mechanical. It's so good. But Purdue invested a high level of manufactured production. So is that going to happen at the NFL? Recent history tells us no. But if it does work out, then it's going to be a really good spot for him to be in. So uh, at 17, I'm comfortable there. Yeah, he's going to be one. He's a he's a natural athlete. His short area quickness is awesome. His like I I I, I don't know if it was Matt Wallman or somebody said that his player profile is going to look like Pac Man. The only thing that's not going to have a up on top will be his catch radius because he's so short. But everything else is you know he's his route his AJ Brown, Ty Hilton, Tyler Boyd, comps, Randall Cobb. Just the, he's a prototypical slot receiver. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've had to talk him down for the last eight months, but he's right here, right? We're, we're, he's where he deserves to be. He's not a third-round pick. He's not a first-round pick. He's a second-round pick, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we can hit on second-round guys, but we just have to take into account the risk factor there and not overvalue him in the first round. All right, fair enough. All right, we are on to the 206, and uh, our buddy John is uh, up to bat. Up to bat. It's uh, we're running backs. We're not done in this class yet. So uh, Trey Sermon's who I'm taking here. I think he's the best running back through contract contact in this class. I, the guy sheds defenders like a drunk horny people when they get home from the bar. They just you know everything's coming off. He, he, the guy's awesome. He's, I mean, he knows how to just absorb hits. He had a broken collarbone that he suffered at the end of last season, but it'll be healed fine by the time the NFL season starts. Uh, he couldn't produce. He couldn't produce in a lot of the. Uh, senior bowl stuff because of his shoulder, but he'll be fine when the NFL season starts. He's got uh, all the film grinders like Matt Wallman have him as the best running back in this class for a reason. Uh, he can see the field on every level. He just seems like as soon as he gets the ball, it's like everything freezes. It's like the matrix. He sees a first, second, third level, and he just knows where to go, how to avoid people. And when he is going to get hit, he knows how to turn his body and absorb hits, where to get hit at. He, he just, the guy's fantastic. He's a he's a very efficient runner. He doesn't waste a lot of steps. His vision is fantastic, and uh, you know I I think he just he can predict where people are going to be hitting him at, or where you know where where defenders will be hit coming from, and get ready for that and absorb it. And you know he had one freak injury, but uh, I I think the guy's going to be fantastic in the NFL, and he's very underrated. I'm very happy to get Trey Sermon right here. So that's uh, how do you guys feel about him? He's I mean, an interesting I, I, player, I think. Go ahead, Theo. No, I was going to say I, we we actually John, John and I kind of went back and forth on this this last week where I have Gainwell as my as running back four uh, and John has Trey Sermon. I believe John, you have him as high as as like running back three in this class, don't you? That's correct. So I I think Trey Sermon offers a lot um, in terms of his size, his athletic ability. He had a very good road day. Um, I think he's right there. I think it's it's Gainwell or Sermon for me, and I think this is this is very good value here. It's such a thin running back class that Sermon's kind of like he continues to to rise. Um, but I think it, you know he's going to be a lock in uh, second round pick in, in Superflex, and um, he's the kind of guy that if, if we love the landing spot, um, I'm assuming that he's going to be a day two. I I think that if he, he gets a great landing spot, I think he'll rise up the board in rookie drafts. <sighs> I came back in time for a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I I knew Andy was going to be in on this one because uh, since since the uh, running backs ended with Gainwell, let's let's hear it, Andy. You got to you got to have a scorcher here. I hate this pick, I really do. Um, I become friendly with uh, Rashad Whitfield, who's better known as the Footwork King, and Trey Sermon is one of his uh, one of his clients. Uh, so he's been doing you know some extra stuff with him, and he gets on me for not supporting his client the same way that he does obviously this is nothing against Trey Sermon as as an athlete as potential but Matt was talking earlier about really valuing vision for running backs and I just do not see any type of vision with Trey Sermon at all uh I I think he is it's just he gets lucky with hitting the right hole at times and then that athleticism takes over where the end result looks better than what he's actually doing for himself on his own um so to me, that's a system, uh, a production of the system more than a production of the player. 
And uh, I just I feel like a lot of people are overlooking certain things with Trey Sermon's game that they're just looking at the upside and potential, the size, the speed, what he did on a national stage you know, during bowl season. And I just think it's a little too much helium right now for that. We are on polar opposites of Trey Sermon, so. I listen, I, 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 a lot of people, you're not alone. You're not this alone. Is... I'm alone. You're not alone. Like Michael Jackson says, man. You are not alone. Oh, I thought you were going to say beat it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I've only oh, had right yeah. uh Andy. I'm not there yet. All right. Well, so Sermon definitely a uh, polarizing prospect there, for sure. But but I, I I you know these kind of these these second round running backs like we're seeing in this um, in this super flex. You know, again, like for what you're spending, if you manage expectations, the hit rates, you know, if one of these guys lands in a good spot, you're there's a there's a possibility you got a, yourself a nice kind of RB2, RB3-ish, you know. Um, you're not expecting these guys to be your your stud RB1 like you are the guys you're picking up in the first round. Am I not right, guys? Uh, no. I, I, or you well, disagree? Sorry. No, it's not if I disagree. I I... I one of the things I loved about how we did this early was that if we were doing the picks live, we couldn't really name drop. I hate that in drafts. So uh, if we're ending at two, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to get picked in the, the next three that we haven't done yet. So I will just throw out there. I would much rather take a shot on Stevie Scott than Trace Herman if I'm looking for that large frame, speed, size, potential. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, with Trey Sermon, you have the tale of two players, right? You look at him at Oklahoma, and there's a guy you really like. You look at him the first three games of the Ohio State season, you got somebody who just looks completely lost and completely like just another guy out there. Uh, you can make a variety of excuses for the player, you know, why that happened. Transferred to a new system, COVID, uh, Ohio State thought the season was shut down, picked back up, a variety of excuses, right? So, at the end of the day, the film eval is not strong for me. It's questionable. Uh, the question is going to be whether volume and draft capital can outweigh that. So Trey Sermon is a guy who, you know, I don't care if he goes to the Jets, right? If he's the quarter or if he's the running back, sorry, that the Jets take and he's in line for 50, 55% of the volume, then he's going to return at 2-6. You know, the guy could average 3.9 yards a carry, and if he gets 200 touches as a rookie, he's probably going to at least return 2.6 value, right? He could fall into the end zone four times and make it happen. So it's going to be all about where Trey Sermon ends up, uh, and it's going to be value. So I, I, I would bank on the potential of volume for Trey Sermon more than I would bank on his traits necessarily. And if those things do all click together, if he does turn out to be this prototypical uh, NFL running back, then you've just you've swung and you've hit big. Um, but you know, at two six, you have a limited investment there. And uh, I got I got to tell you guys, after the first two picks for me, the first three picks for for most people, you're you're just swinging at running back. This is not the class where you're going to go deep in running back. So hmm. uh, we could we could probably pick apart almost every running back that we will draft from here on out. What is your what's your opinion of Trey Sermon if he falls in Atlanta? I mean, yeah, that's a money pick too. I mean, you know, I actually, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta in particular double dips, you know, takes a guy like Trey Sermon, uh, maybe, 
in the third if he's there and then uh, somebody late as well in like the six, just because they, I mean, it's Mike Davis and, and then that's pretty much it there in Atlanta. So uh, it, it's going to be whether or not a player, whether or not Trey Sermon, I should say, ends up, you know, projecting out for me between 40 and 50% of the touches on the ground. Cause that's the other thing too. He's not going to be a high volume passing guy. Um, and, and so you're really going to have to rely on those ground touches. So I'm, I'm going to be looking at, you know, probably in, in a realistic frame, 175 to 200 touches on the ground to get excited about him. Um, but even still, you know, it, it, it's relative excitement. I'm not expecting this guy to be a running back one in dynasty in a year. I, I don't think his value is going to accumulate at that level, but you know, in my dynasty leagues, I have been spending the last couple of weeks trading uh, a low level a- assets for Trey Sermon just to just to take the shot that he ends up in Pittsburgh or he ends up, you know, even in Atlanta in a high volume role. So I have been rolling the dice on Trey Sermon, um, but, you know, I certainly wouldn't use much higher than a two six on him. Yeah, I like his catching ability too. I mean, he doesn't catch a million balls, but he just seems fluent when the ball comes to him. He's a he, he absorbs the ball; it doesn't bounce off his shoulder pads, and you know he doesn't stick his you know he doesn't let you know he doesn't let the ball hit off his face mask and catch it on a bumble. Everything just kind of it's a seamless uh, transition when he catches the ball in the backfield. I, even though there's not too much film on him doing it, I, when the little bit of film there is on him, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, I will just add that there was a moment in time, and obviously Trey Sermon, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but it seems as though he will get drafted. Uh, so that capital is going to be a little bit more than a UDFA. But there was a brief moment in time where Josh Adams looked like he might be the future RB1 in Philly behind a good line on a good team. Uh, and if you miss your opportunity to cash out then um, – you know, you got left holding the bag. So if you got Trey Sermon, you get him at 2-6, whatever, and he has any type of Josh Adams running him, sell and cash out. Uh, that, that's what I would tell you. All right, sounds good. Let's move on to uh, Riley for the 207. So um, waking up from all the Trey Sermon talk. Uh, so, yeah, the, Are you uh, saying the sermon puts you to sleep? <laughs> uh, not the first time that's happened. Um, anyway, so so yeah, a two hundred seven. That was a good one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, where's my where's my shout out for the the air horn there, JD? Yes. Jesus. Um, anyway, so a two seven. Uh, first off, let me just say I'm probably going to use my mid to late seconds to try to move up in the first if I see somebody nice falling like Jamar Chase. But if we're going to shoot for the moon in the mid to late second, we're going to do it on a guy who has potential to really give you some nice return on investment and that's Kadarius tony horrible production profile uh not really sure why it took him three and a half years to to finally break out but when he did it looked awesome got some issues with the hands he likes to double clutch a lot uh it takes him two tries to catch the ball <laughs> on uh, on a lot of targets but hey at this point i mean he's quick he's shifty he's a dog in the run blocking game uh, i'll take him in the mid to late second i know a lot of people Probably have him in the third at this point, but I mean, hey, love the upside for Tony. I'm all about him in, in this range. Yeah, and if he gets that draft capital going, I mean, you know, it's it's going to maybe make that second worthwhile. I'll just throw in there the reason that it took Kadarius Tony so long to break out as a wide receiver is they couldn't figure out what he was. Uh, he w- played quarterback in high school. Uh, They tried him at running back originally at Florida, moved him to wide receiver, moved him all around, and it took until his senior year for them to decide that that, uh, he was going to be a wide receiver. But 
you know, high manufactured offense, which I think is just the biggest red flag when it comes to Kadarius Tony that that doesn't tend to translate well. But you're right. If he goes late first round, it, it's going to be hard to ignore. He, he's uh, Matt Waldman's uh, best route runner in this class. But, you know, he's got uh, some footwork issues is what he's been kind of I don't really see it. I'm not a film guy, like you know, by trade, but I don't really see any footwork issues. The uh, like, like a lot of people say, he embarrasses people, and and he embarrasses coverage defenders. The way he runs his routes, he's so quick, so shifty. It, it's watching some of his stuff is 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 amazing. But um, I, this he's uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, like I, like I've just kind of echoing everybody else's sentiments is he's the best route runner in his class by far uh, compared to everybody else. I'll speak yeah, just yeah. a little bit. Oh, sorry, Matt. Um, no, no, no. Go ahead. Just, just speaking to the uh, the footwork issues with, especially with smaller guys like Tony. W- when they run their routes, it's all about depths. So if you're going to run a speed out or or a hard out or you know a hard in, it's all about running that and breaking off between the five to seven yards. A lot of times he'll stride to the break point and be ready to cut, but he's got the wrong foot in front of him. Where he's like, ah, shit. Uh, hold on, give me one extra second, and then he breaks. That's where the kind of the footwork thing comes into. If he's got a good receivers coach, shouldn't be a problem. But if you're like my son, Anthony Miller, then it's a huge problem. So let's hope he's, he doesn't get to that level, but minor issues. Yeah, I was just going to throw out there from a fantasy football specific perspective, route running is not actually something that I have a high weight in, in, in when I evaluate wide receivers. I found that, you know, when you go to the NFL, they're going to ask you to run the routes that that team needs you to run. If you are a good route runner, I think it'll help you, but it doesn't necessarily hurt you. And in, in Kadarius Tony's case, you know, he ran a very, although he is a good route running technician, he absolutely has great route running ability. He didn't run very many routes right at Florida because they kind of had him doing the same thing on repeat because it was working. Uh, and to Andy's point earlier, it made Kyle Trask look like a decent quarterback, which we all knew was never the case. Uh, so for for you know the route running specific ability, it's not something I weigh heavily because the NFL tends to just you know teach you to run the routes that they need you to run in their offense. So uh, although you're absolutely right, it, it is my highest rated trait for Kadarius Tony. For me personally, it doesn't translate as a priority for fantasy football. Tell Keenan Allen that <laughs> he's got a couple other things working in his way. Yes. Yes. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the 208, and uh, Theo, you are up. So I went with Tylen Wallace here, um, he's a wide receiver that's kind of growing on me. I took him in a uh, startup um, that actually I'm still in the middle of a, of a startup with uh, Andrew Schellenberg, um, a fellow GOAT. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he would be in the NFL already if he didn't have an ACL injury. Um, I don't like taking guys, you know, with prior injury history, but I think Wallace has a chance to uh, be a very productive receiver in, in this league. Uh, he had a 1,500-yard season um, as a sophomore. Uh, he was an All-American, um, and I think that this is a, a reasonable bet this time in the draft um, for a guy that I think would have gone a little higher had he not had the injury uh, issues. All right. Any other thoughts on uh, Mr. Wallace? That was the guy. What I mentioned, I, I was playing the ADP game with Elijah Moore. Tylen Wallace was the guy I was hoping would get to me. So uh, that's that's a good spot there. I love Tylen Wallace. I have him rated much higher than a lot of folks. He's wide receiver five for me pre-draft. 
I think he's a super physical guy along the boundary. He wins. He's great. Uh, he's got really sticky hands. He's great at the catch point. He's super athletic. And uh, one of the things that a lot of folks are knocking Tylen Wallace on, but it's actually something I really like about him, and I think it gives him really sneaky fantasy football upside. He's going to come in at about 5'11", 193. He played along the boundary at Oklahoma State, but I think he's going to play inside in the NFL in the slot. And we talk about the way that could be limiting, but guys who could be a little bit more physical in the slot create a mismatch right now in today's NFL. And I think Tylen Wallace is going to provide that mismatch uh, for an NFL team, especially if he lands in an offense uh, w- with two threats on the outside. So I-, I think, you know, his speed and his quickness will allow him to get off of a linebacker if they try to put him over him. Uh, but I think he's going to be a little bit too uh, physical for a slot defensive back as well. So Wallace could really be a, a really sneaky piece here of an NFL offense. And at 2-8, I mean, I would take Tylen Wallace at 2-8 uh, 10 out of 10 times. I, I'm not sure about the slot receiver comp because he exclusively lined up at the right side of the right X receiver position. He never played anywhere else. So I'm not, I don't know how he'll adjust in the NFL to a slot receiver when he's not used to playing the slot. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, he was specifically a boundary guy at Oklahoma state, uh, you know, but his, I think his physical profile is going to force him inside. Um, but I think he can use those traits that he used to win. I mean, his release, his first step off the line of scrimmage, uh, was really fantastic, uh, along the boundary at college. You know, we can translate that to that quickness, kind of what I was talking about, about being able to beat a linebacker off the line. If they decide to, to line him up over him, uh, you know, and the other thing that Tylen Wallace really does is he goes up, he's physical, uh, he holds on to balls through the catch point really well, and that's something that you need to be able to do to win over the middle of the field. Uh, we've seen that consistently be either a plus or a minus for wide receivers playing over the middle of the field is being able to hold on to that ball through contact. And, in you know, I like to hype up Spencer Sanders uh, every now and then, but he didn't exactly make Tylen Wallace's job easy every single play. So he, t- he took some cracks along the way and uh, and that's why I think he's going to profile. If they put him along the boundary, I'm completely fine with that because I'm very confident with him as a boundary wide receiver. I just think his physical profile is going to force him inside. Yeah, he knows how to use the sidelines very well. That's one thing that's good for him. I, I hope he can make the transition to the uh, slot receiver position, but you know it's going to take a little bit of work. But um, I, I'd like to see that. There are some players that just don't wow you and just have a knack for producing, and that's what I see with Tylon Wallace where it's just – he doesn't wow me in any one particular phase. Not you know, there's nothing that jumps out as, uh, did you see that? Wow, this guy's gonna be special. But then he's just there consistently producing and getting things done. He's just, I hate to say it, and I haven't heard this cliche in a while, but he's a football player, and you know he makes football plays, and he just has a way of getting a step ahead of his defender, and then secure on the catch, and he does that routinely. So it's. You know, I I wouldn't be watching him on a field thinking I have to have this guy, but at the end of the day, I'd want him to leave with me. All right, let's move on to Matt and find or excuse me, we have JD. Sorry, JD is up next. Uh, let's let's find out. Uh, you know, JD has expressed his love of running backs and and how he's always going to go back to the running back. So let's see if he he does that again with this pick. Oh, JD, you're on mute. 
If anybody can pick up the color code, you kind of revealed it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love how Andy waited till 209 to, to drop that. I love it. Because I, I was hoping nobody would catch on to that. But um, no, nah, man, I, I got to go with my, my Maple maple Hubbard, <clears throat> the Chuba over here. Uh, I mean, at 209, I feel like this guy is kind of at a nice value right now because of his 2020 season. If you look at his, his, his uh, 18 and 19 I mean, very similar season, just different volume uh, levels, right? With 124 attempts, he was at, at 740, but six six yards per carry, and then at 6.4, went over 2,000 yards in uh, 2019. Similar receptions, and you know, early 20s here with 22 and 23, and then in 21, goes back to a similar production with the volume he gets uh, running the ball, but, you know, big difference there with the uh, target share and, and the receiving game. But again, I mean, for me, 2020 is just one of those uh, years we all want to forget and maybe Chuba does as well. So I, I think that you're getting a guy again, look, we, we said, you know, running backs are done, the tear drops, all that kind of stuff, but who else is going to offer you kind of that RB one possibility if he lands in the right spot um, I don't know. I, I kind of like him here in the mid to late second round in these super flex drafts. Yeah, I, I think uh, Chuba is a home run pick here. I mean, that's what you're essentially shooting for. Uh, you're betting on the 2019 production uh, coming back, and you're you're betting on a team, you know, feeling like he's going to fit. I mean, you now I've heard the the Tevin Coleman comp to to Chuba, and you know that. That, that feels right to me. Um, so he's, you know, I, I, I think he's somebody who could end up carving out a role or he could end up being nothing. But at this point in the draft, I mean, that's basically what we're looking at with almost every pick. So uh, other thoughts on Chuba? Yeah, this was, you know, by and large, the RB1 just a year ago to right. unforgotten at this right. point. So, uh, you know, 2,000 yards as a sophomore. I mean, you can say what you want about the defense in the Big 12, but 2,000 yards is 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. I, I know it took 320-some carries, but his freshman year pace was the same thing. So this is who this guy is. I mean, he had a down year, but can't we just write off and dismiss 2020 as just doesn't really count anyway? Um, so, yeah, why not? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where we're at in the draft for sure. All right, let's uh, let's go back over to uh, Matt and see what we got for the two ten. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we're digging a little bit here. I think we've hit a new tier of guys, um, <laughs> and I think I could go. There, there's kind of four guys that I'm targeting here, uh, and, and you know, this is a mock draft, so there, I probably would actually go with one of the the three other guys, uh, but. I want to make a pick that I hope makes me sound smart in two days because I, I think this player is going to go either uh, day two, late day two, potentially early day three of the NFL draft. And he's somebody that I just cannot shake uh, my love for when I flip on his tape, when I think about his potential translation of fantasy football. And I don't think we're talking about him enough. So I think he's a good discussion point right here at 210. It's Demetric Felton out of UCLA. Uh, Felton for me is somebody who I, I, like I said, I just can't shake the idea that he's going to be an effective player at the next level. He's really versatile. If you're not familiar with his background, uh, Felton played wide receiver at UCLA when Joshua Kelly was there as the running back. Uh, But he also took, I think, like 75 rushing snaps that season. 
and then as Joshua Kelly moved on to the NFL, Demetric Felton played running back for UCLA, and I thought he looked really uh, good in between the tackles. I think he looks really comfortable uh, navigating between the tackles. He has nice, uh, good ability to break in and out of his cuts, good vision as a runner, which is something we've talked about a lot. He has really nice hands. He demonstrated that at the wide receiver position. Uh, and, and so I, what I am hoping for, and, and this is the big outlier. This is why we're not talking a ton about Demetric Felton yet. I mentioned he played both positions at college. He went to the senior bowl, was listed as a running back at the senior bowl. They lined him up in wide receiver drills and he impressed as a one-on-one isolation type guy. Uh, so he could get drafted as either a wide receiver or a running back. And my hope is that he gets drafted as a running back to play in a pass catching type role. We've talked about the lack of depth of this running back class. Uh, If Felton gets drafted as a running back, he's my running back five in this class. Uh, If he's a wide receiver, he loses a lot of appeal, right? Because I'd much rather have a running back that can catch instead of a wide receiver that can run. But I think he's going to go higher than folks uh, expect. I would not be surprised if he's a top 100 pick. So that's like a late day three pick. And if he is going late day three, there's a potential he lands in a pretty explosive offense. So, uh, that's somebody who I'm just kind of riding on right now, and, and I hope it works out for me uh, in the end. He's probably going to be more of a third-round pick, honestly, in most rookie drafts, but I just kind of wanted to bring him up and talk about him. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, and, uh, you know, with with Felton, I mean, you know, I'm not going to draw the comp necessarily to Ty Montgomery, uh, but, you know, that's a, that's a similar type of arc, um, you know, that – he could actually bounce back and forth between running back and wide receiver in the pros. And, you know, so he's, he's kind of an interesting player to have on the back of your roster anyway. Um, you know, because Montgomery, I mean, you know, for a hot minute, you could sell him off for a lot. Uh, you know, when he looked like he was going to be the running back of choice in uh, green Bay, uh, you know, and so there's, there's sometimes, you know, these players like this that you just want to hang on to, and, uh, you know, as Andy was talking about with Trey Sermon, you know, you just want to look for that sell high opportunity. And when you can grab it, uh, just take it, go with it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm only laughing because if you, Matt, if you didn't unfollow me, you would have saw I tweeted yesterday. Demetri <laughs> Felton mentioned since the senior, uh, during senior bowl week, 10,876 since one. So this is the second Demetri Felton re- uh, reference I've heard since the senior bowl. But, uh, yeah, that, no, that, that was <laughs> Chuckling during the uh, playback, but all right. Uh, anything else on Felton? Nope. On, on we go then. Uh, Andy, you're you're up. I'm excited here, man. Uh, there's a few running backs I could go with uh, to fill that need, but more to the point, especially being tight end premium, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, is if he can ever learn how to block, will be just a dynamic weapon in any offense. When you see how this guy made, um, uh, I'm gonna forget his name now, Penn State quarterback, uh, even looked like he belonged on a Division One field. Uh, just some of the balls he picked out of the air with one hand, uh, off balance, you, you know, stutter stop and change direction on a dime at his size. Uh, this is a kid that's been playing with a chip on his shoulder. I got to edit and post a nice piece from Ryan Roberts, uh, Rising Draft, uh, who 
chronicled Frymouth's rise and ascension from high school uh, through his time at Penn State and, you know, just where the baby Gronk moniker came from and the chip he has on his shoulder is coming in as, you know, not a highly sought-after prospect, but, you know, quickly emerging and becoming a dominant force in the Nittany Lion offense. And uh, he's, I mean, he's got blocking issues, but his uh, his potential to help improve an offense is is so good that that's going to be overlooked a little, and especially in two tight end sets where he could be the, the receiving option. Um, this is a guy that's going to turn some heads. So uh, I, I really like Fryermuth here. Um, it's more about liking him more uh, than wanting to lose him, where some of these other running backs, I feel like they'll be around with my next spot. Yeah, he guy's a red zone weapon. 37% of his touchdowns came in the red zone. He's a great. He's just a good. Fo- he's one of those guys we were talking about in- before Andy, who's just a really good football player. He knows yeah. the game. He's a great athlete, basketball player all through high school and grammar school and col- you know in college, a little bit. So, he's uh just a great athlete all around. Yeah. I mean, I love that pick. It's it's tremendous value, and I think that uh, he's the kind of guy people might be a little more excited about in this draft if, if there was no Kyle Pitts. Um, I think that he would have been uh, the number one tight end in hey, for me. I have him ahead of any of the tight ends in last year's draft. I know uh, John and I discussed this last week as well, uh, but I have him ahead of uh, uh, Troutman and Komet. Um I think he's that good. There you go. I was kind of wondering if we we're going to come back to, to tight end at all in this draft. So yeah. it's nice, to, nice to see it come back around. So Yeah. Free, free Helmuth. Free <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, the last pick of the second round, man. We got uh, the 212 over here. John. Yeah, I appreciate you guys letting me take Nico Collins here at the very end of the draft. This is a fantastic big dude. Uh, you know, a bad quarterback kind of didn't give him a lot of stats, um, but he's got great separation downfield. He's a big dude. Goes, He's a ball winner. He's like a, he's like a better version of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like what people expected of Donovan, Donovan Peoples-Jones last year is what Nico Collins probably will be coming in the NFL. Uh, he's a... Uh, you know, like a Martavius Bryant, he's possibly the best, big, you know, contested ball catcher in this whole wide receiver class. He goes up and he catches everything. He's, he's, he's the guy's just awesome. He's a, I, I'm not going to say he's like one of my sleepers, but he is. Nico Collins is someone I, I've been I, constantly just watching since day one and watching another riser off the draft boards who I fell in love with because he's a big dude. I like big guys who can play in traffic and come down with pass, come down with balls. And Nico Collins is that guy. Yeah, I, I have a comp to him of uh, this year's Chase Claypool. Just that size speed combo um, that's going to surprise people. And they measure up almost identically. Right. I mean, he didn't go to Notre Dame, so he's not going to be that good. But, you know, it's it's okay. You know. <laughs> John, I love it. I love it. Yeah, you're 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 buying an archetype there for sure. Uh, you know, you're just you're you're just kind of betting on the uh, you know the body type and the skill set. Uh, you know, and you're hoping that that Harbaugh didn't ruin him too much. 
Who's who's uh, Wheeler referring to? Oh, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, which yeah. which was the guy that I in Same. an actual draft I probably would have taken him over Demetric Felton right there. So it, it's a good observation. I, I was saving him for Dan's last question. I, I thought I was <laughs> going to be the smart guy, and then I, I threw up. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Wheeler. Thanks a lot, Wheeler. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. All right. Let's uh, let's do a quick. Uh, I'll let you go through it, Dan. Okay, so uh, second round, uh, we had at the 201, Rashad Bateman, uh, 202, Terrace Marshall, 203, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, getting back to the running backs there. And then we have uh, the Moore twins, Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, uh, filling out the 2-4 and 2-5. 2-6, um, the Trey Sermon that made Riley fall asleep. Um <laughs> <laughs> two seven, Kadarius Tony. Um, two eight, Tillon Wallace. Two nine, Chuba Hubbard. Two ten, back to the running backs again, back to back with Demetric Felton, or at least we hope he'll be a running back. And then finally, back to the tight ends with uh, Pat Fryermuth. And rounding it all out was Nico Collins from the two twelve. So. Uh, you know, I, this was a great draft. I mean, I, I, you know, I, we went a little bit longer than what we wanted to go, obviously. But, I mean, we had such great commentary all throughout. It was, you know, it was pretty tough to shut it down. So, uh, I, you know, thank you, everybody, for uh, for chiming in. I think we got a lot of good, you know, different facets and different angles on, uh, on a lot of the players in this draft as a result. And, you know, that's one of the things I like about having kind of a diverse group on here is that we do catch, uh, you know, people looking at, at at these players from different ways. And that's, I think, what we need to do. So, uh, you know, I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of go around the horn. And as we as we sign off, uh, you know, a couple questions for you. And then uh, you can tell people where to find you. And, um, you know, also, you know, anything you got going on, anything that you want to promote real quick. But, uh, you know, a couple questions uh, for each of you. Who had the most surprising fall? Um, who surprised you by how early they went? And uh, or who did you find was the most interesting or unexpected aspect of this whole draft? Or if there's anybody that you, you want to tout on the way out, you know, who would you be trading your 2022 second rounder for uh, to take at the 301 in this draft? Uh, so let's start off. Uh, let's let's hit uh, let's hit Matt to start with and uh, let let Matt go here and uh, tell us tell us what you got. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> trying to figure out which one. To, <laughs> These are the quick hitters, guys. So you know, try, bang, bang, trying to bang, figure bang. out uh, maybe maybe which one I want to field here. I, yep. I, I you know I think the best value in this draft, and he was talked about a ton, but uh, it, for me, it's still Terrace Marshall. He's my wide receiver three. Uh, he's going to go in the top. I'm, I'm you know I'm totally comfortable with the fact he's going to go in the top of the second round of most fantasy football rookie drafts, and I'm just going to take him there. Uh, potential. You know, landslide uh, of his value could be if he falls out of the top 50 NFL picks because of this uh, late rumor of, you know, old injuries being more significant than they I'm not buying into it, but there's a potential for a draft night slide. And and in that case, we'd have to pivot off Terrace Marshall. But otherwise, I am all in on him. So that's my value. I, I don't know if I would trade a 2022 second for a third round pick this year, but. Uh, if I did, 
the guy that that I would love to you know give a shout out for that we haven't drafted is Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. He's 5'8", 190, so he's a little undersized. But, man, this guy is explosive. I think he could run, uh, you know, uh, really be a field stretcher at the next level. So if he lands in an offense where he's going to be with a big arm quarterback, I think he's a top 100 guy for me. Uh, not not a name that everybody is familiar with, but he's got nice hands. You know, I talked about loving when my wide receivers can cut a slant route. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge's ability to release off the line of scrimmage is really, really dangerous. Another guy that played in the boundary, uh, playing for that MAC team, Western Michigan, he's going to move inside in the NFL, but I think he could be just as much of a threat in the deep third of the field, which is really crucial for fantasy football upside purposes. So, you know, I'll, I'll give a shout out for that uh, for that last guy. Did did I answer questions correctly? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, you know, it, it, it's I, I threw a bunch at you, so answer answer what you uh, feel most comfortable. And uh, anything else you want to promote on your way out? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, uh, obviously the most applicable uh, project that I'm working on right now is is the rookie big board. So uh, it has it's final for pre-draft. I, I've cut it off with my updates. 102 film evals this year, fantasy football specific. 168 total prospects ranked right now. And I will be updating these uh, all the way through uh, not only draft weekend, each day of the draft, I'll go in update for draft capital, new projections for this season and three-year projections, uh, but also, you know, throughout the summer and into the fall as well. It's a 365 big board to help you evaluate rookie value over time. Uh, and that's available at patreon.com slash the FF educator, just three bucks. And that gets you uh, the Devi big board and dynasty big board as well, which are my top 200 players uh, at those respective spots. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Riley, let's, uh, let's put you on the spot next. Uh, what you got for us? Um, I kind of surprised Michael Carter didn't, didn't sneak his way into the, the back half mm-hmm. of the second. He could be a guy that, Lands in a decent spot. Would love Cincinnati, um, especially with my my other boy Joe Mixon just not quite being what we want him to. Um, he could be a guy that, that could sneak up depending on where he lands. But I don't know if I trade a future second for him at this point. I'll just roll with a couple guys here in the third. Brevin Jordan's another one who I he didn't test well. I think worst case he's Gerald Everett, but I really love Gerald Everett, and I, that's another reason why I really like Brevin Jordan. He's a nice all-around skill set, can block a little bit, good after the catch. Uh, so those are a couple guys that I really like. Elijah Mitchell, my boy. Hope you land in a good spot, buddy. I love you. Um, probably going to be a third or fourth guy. But um, those are the only really three I want to plug. I'll let everybody else talk about the board. Don't really have anything I'm, I'm working on right now. We occasionally record a Dynasty Wall Street. So jump in there once a quarter uh, and catch up with, with John and Kevin and myself. But – uh, other than that, dudes, uh, you know, I had a blast. It was fun. I don't think I've been in a in a pod with six other people at the same time in a while. So it was a uh, is a blast. Also, Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall. Sorry, just that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a Terrace, though, not to yes. you guys. <laughs> uh, there you go. All right, uh, Andy, what you got for us? Oh, I got a lot, guys. Um... <laughs> Which way do you want me to start? Plugging, going with who I would pick next. Uh, all of it. All do, of it. Doer's choice, man. All right. So I, I really, honestly think we probably should have did three rounds, uh, just for some of these names because it just doesn't seem right that Diami Brown is not picked. Um, if I could trade my twenty twenty two second right now to guarantee I have three one, I would be all over that. Uh, there was a stat I was trying to find. 
uh, something about only back-to-back thousand-yard guy. I forgot what it was. I, I know he's the only one in UNC history, but it was something else. Um, but I came across this one just now, which was kind of insane to read. Diami Brown had 2,000-plus yard seasons as a sophomore and junior, and his percentage of receptions and yards on screens was dot, 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 zero percent. So I got to <laughs> fact check that one because if that's the case, then that's pretty insane, especially for Kaz. But, uh, I, yeah, I saw that one too. That's a crazy stat. Yes, and, and you know, so this just shows you how deep this wide receiver class is. And, you know, to go super flex tight end premium and miss out on a lot of names, um, you know, Amon St. Brown, like there's, there's just, you know, Sage Surratt, there's guys there that definitely would be getting going one, two, three, four, five right now. Um, so I think there's still tremendous value uh, in the third round for especially Superflex and uh, tight end premium. But as for myself, uh, you can follow me and find me on Twitter. My name, Andy Singleton, at People's Planet. should be displayed there because the guys here have a phenomenal production team. And as you can see, it's not displayed. Um, follow me there. I uh, run Expand the Box Score. We do advanced stats. We have uh, every touch for every college player. Uh, NFL as well. Uh, we're adding a bunch of new stuff uh, going into uh, technically our third season, but really our second season this year. So it's going to be uh, a facelift, uh, a whole bunch of new team members coming on board, uh, making all these all these things happen. We're going to have indiv- individual defensive stats for college as well. Uh, I kind of liken us to the poor man's PFF. So if you're looking for some deep, advanced stats, analytics, you I think the greatest feature that we have is the ability to search anything you want. So you can literally go and check off just 5'9 to 5'11 wide receivers in their sophomore year, playing in the Big 12 uh, with eight or more targets in the red zone. Um, I mean, you can get that specific. So uh, to me, that's our greatest tool and feature. Uh, But we also added the scouting department this past year. So I have a team of over a dozen scouts. They collectively poured in over 10,000 hours of uh, grinding film and going to events and talking with coaches and other scouts. Uh, They've all been at various places in their careers, at Scouting Academy, SIS, PFF, uh, you name it, everything with an initial they've been at. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum was Cyril Penn, our lead, uh, our scouting director's mentor and wrote the forward for our scout, our draft guide. Uh, our draft guide covers 378 prospects, has an injury history table, an athletic success indicator, uh, overall big board, positional ranks, uh, eight uh, graded traits for every prospect, uh, overall summary, uh, strengths, weaknesses, schemes you could possibly want on these prospects plus an overall grade so 378 guys everybody typically knows the first and second round names um you know after that it's a it's a guessing game not if you have the expand the box score 2021 nfl draft guide it's only 12 bucks go to the site pick it up check it out and uh that's it good deal good deal and 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 you'll see we we did get andy's uh or his uh, <laughs> his Twitter uh, handle on there as well. So we 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 got the full thing at People's Pins. Uh, John, what you got for us? Who's it? Who who did we miss? Who did? You know, what surprised you? I was on mute. Sorry, I had to take that off. Uh, <laughs> um, nothing surprised me. Everybody here is uh, did a real good job of uh, picking tonight. It was, I think, most of the people that could have been picked or picked i do agree with andy you know i think this is already a two-hour podcast i could have gone for four hours and kept talking about the michael carters and the you know the uh De'Ami browns and you know just you know as we go down the there's tons of people 
down this board. The, the Hunter Longs, Elijah Mitchells, Jalen Dardens, uh, Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. I just did, you know, discounted tight, tight ends that are in a tight end premium. Um, but uh, I think we did fantastic of picking all the guys in the first two rounds that should have went anyway. So uh, there's really not too much. As far as draft picks go, you're, you're talking to the wrong guy because I don't have any. I'm never going to have any. I don't have to trade anybody. I use draft picks to trade for guys that I think are in the NFL that are people are already sick of. I kind of like just go fishing all the time on people's rosters for people who love draft picks or on rebuild for guys that they don't trust anymore or don't, don't like anymore. Or, I, you know, the, the Jalen Ragers are guys who didn't pan out and people are already sick of after one year. I love fishing for guys like that. I'll do that all the time. And if Rager, if Rager doesn't pan out, you know, that's great, but you know, right now I'm still shopping for Akil Harry. You know, the guys like that completely gave up on Akil Harry, and you know, for someone with those kind of measurables, I just feel like he's just a tea kettle waiting to waiting to waiting to explode, and it's going to happen. They just need the right quarterback and you know some other competition on the field to give him some free looks. So that's why I don't have draft picks because uh, mine are all gone. Looking for <laughs> diamonds in a rough, I guess you want to call those. Uh, but the Tamarian Terry's, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, Jamar Jefferson's, Hunter Long's, Elijah Mitchell, guys like that. I, I'm Jalen Darden's. Those are plenty of guys that if I did have a 2022 second, I'd uh, maybe go after. So um, that's that's my answer for that question. Uh, other than that, uh, thanks for listening tonight. I'm John McGlynn. You can find me on the Twitter machine at John McGlynn 75. And I'm very happy to be surrounded by some of the best in the business tonight. And uh, we all took a stab at some players that we liked and the mother of all rookie drafts and I'd, uh, I'd love for you guys to give me a listen on my Commissioner Evaluation Podcast. It's where I find guests who follow me and interact with me on Twitter, and we talk about you know, we talk about some fun questions about themselves. We talk about the current events, some stuff going on in the NFL, some rumors. Uh, then we talk about people's – what they like in their leagues they do, what, what, what uh, settings they like for you know, a PPR, how many – if people like to have a lot of points, stuff they ask their commissioner what they want to implement in their leagues, what's, what host sites they like. And then, um, you know, we take a team and we evaluate if it's a rebuild, remodel. And we give tons of uh, input on players they should trade for or trade away. And, you know, what they have as far as, you know, it just, hey, start from scratch. Or, you know, you don't want to be in the middle anywhere. So you kind of have to make a decision somewhere. Do we say, hey, this is what you got to do. If you're going to contend, you got to start from the bottom first and work your way back up to the top of the mountain, get rid of the old guys and start from scratch. Or, hey, man, your team's right in the middle. You're going to go for it now and get rid of somebody's picks, get rid of this guy, that guy, and the other, try to package them in for somebody better, and let's just get this team as far as we get close as we can to a championship, hopefully win the money one year and pay for the next four or five years and then start from scratch. So uh, just, you know, it's just fun. It's a, I, I don't have anything besides that podcast. Every once in a while I get invited to do these things with a couple of great people on Twitter. But, I, you know, other than that, this is just my favorite hobby. I do this for fun. Uh, I don't want it ever to become a job because it's so fun to me. And this is I always wanted to do was just do podcasts and talk about fantasy football. And I thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to be with you guys tonight. Awesome. All right. And we are on to Theo, the OG. What you got for us, Theo? So, yeah, I, I'll just uh, piggyback off what Andy said. Um, I was actually between Tylen Wallace and Diami Brown on my pick in the second round. I, I think he got a good profile and, uh, I like him a great deal. I think he's going to be a second round. He's going to go in most second rounds, um, certainly for FFPC drafts. Um, and uh, I think that the best value that we saw in the first round was Devonta Smith. I've kind of really come around on him despite the weight. Uh, we have seen these skinny wide receivers uh, do quite well. Um, it's been out 
players, but they've happened. Um, we, you know, Chad Johnson came to bat for the kids that he played in in the 70s. Um, you've seen an Isaac Bruce talked about with his weight, um, and obviously with the Marvin Harrison. So I thought that was a value for Andy. Um, and then the, the my takeaway here is um, from the old draft. Um, I think that we're going to see Kyle Pitts go in the top five tomorrow night, and I'm very interested to see where he ends up. Um, in standard FFPC drafts. It's going to be very interesting to me to see teams consider him at the, the 102, 103, 104. Um, it, I think it's, it's just it's incredible to see a tight end go there. It makes sense, but I think that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, our drafts come up on May 8th, and I think that uh, people are going to have some hard decisions to make. Um, and, you know, in terms of would I give up a second rounder for, you know, obviously Diamond Brown, I think that's a, that's a good name. Um, I think Amon Ross St. Brown um, is one you can consider. I'll be interested to see where he goes. Um, he never led USC in receiving, which is a little odd, but he played with Michael Pittman. Um, I think he's got a nice profile. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he gets drafted. Um, and then in terms of me, you can find me on Twitter at the OJ Fantasy. Uh, you can find my articles on player profile or breakout finder. Um, and you can find me here in the GOAT district quite often. Um, we're doing a couple of. Uh, Podcasts on the new TriFlex uh, format on FFPC, which is sponsored uh, by Rotoviz. It's a super flex with uh, three wide receivers and two flexes. It's um, really exciting. We'll bring a couple of those out, and a couple more should drop shortly. Awesome. All right. And uh, before I let GD close this out, I, I just have to say it was a, a real pleasure to, to be the moderator tonight. Uh, the, the best thing was is that I didn't have to uh, – I didn't have to throw out any of my picks. I can still be a black box to uh, <laughs> all my league mates. Still called the Omerta. Dan didn't want to give anything away. He's got the 101 in the hard wage draft, uh, and he's, he's loaded with draft picks this year. There's a couple of leagues. So Dan, Dan will not tell you who he likes until, like, May 9. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, I mean, it was uh, – but it was a real pleasure to uh, be able to, to just sit and, and – and, sit back and, and get a lot of information again uh, from, you know, a variety of uh, very, very knowledgeable sources. Uh, you know, I have a super huge respect for, you know, the jobs that you guys do and the amount of time that you put into it. I'm, I'm more than slightly jealous at the amount of time that you guys are able to put into this. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's just wonderful to be able to sit back and just uh, kind of soak it in. Um, JD, Take us home. Yeah, guys, this was great. I mean, uh, I, I feel like we put a nice mix of people in here. Like you said, Dan, it's nice to get different angles on on some of these guys we touched on. You guys were awesome, all of you guys. Make sure you guys follow all these guys. I'm sure you already are, uh, you know, just looking at some of the amount of followers you guys have. But it, it's well-deserved. Like I said, these, these three are literally my go-tos when it comes to, you know, college players and Debbies. Uh, Theo and John putting out some amazing content on the channel right now. If you're doing those TriFlex leagues, uh, Theo and Andrew putting together some goodness there. And John just keeps bringing on some amazing guests uh, with the commissioner evaluation. Dan, always a blast as usual, hanging with you out here in the district. We didn't talk about the FFPC. I mean, we talk about it so often that that sometimes the, the show goes by and we forget to mention it. But myffpc.com. Guys, whether it's best balls, they're starting at $5 now. You know, we were talking about John trying to get John on, on these things, and he's, he's you know, 
a little reluctant to get into the best balls, but I said, dude, for five bucks, like, you know what I mean? Put 25 bucks, do five of them and then call me in the morning. You'll be hooked. Trust me. <laughs> um, but no, man, whether it's dynasty, I think right now the football guys championship, which is, you know, kind of the whole reason I came onto the FFPC and, you know, started the, the fun that I've had on there in the last few years. But you're playing for half a million dollars, guys, fantasy football. You know what I mean? And and right now the, with the early bird, you can get yourself some some extra credits, some extra goodness to, to try out some of those other leagues on there. So check out myffpc.com. Any format of fantasy football you want to play, redraft, dynasty, um, best ball, they've got it on there. Live, slow drafts all ranges of buy-ins it's on there and don't forget our friends at dynasty depot once you build those dynasty teams on the ffpc you can buy and sell them on there on the regular guys this has been a blast uh i want to say this I, I think one thing we forget when we're playing with these draft picks and especially with the hype going into the you know this weekend remember when you're trading when you're making trades for picks the, the guy you're thinking about, thinking, think about his ceiling. This is something I do. It, may, it might be, you know, think about his ceiling. Where do you see his ceiling? Put him in your rankings and then go put out offers to every guy above him. You know what I mean? With that pick, because you don't have to wait then. You know what I mean? You, you give yourself the production that you're expecting right away. Just a quick tip. I don't know if that helps. I hope it does. I hope we helped you tonight and we'll, as usual, check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy Trade's not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's the... And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be traded Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Fish, fish, fish.